Hello and welcome to a Smashing Theories 2019 Game of the Year Awards. I'm Daniel. I'm Sean. And I'm Amy Lee. And hey everybody, a special episode this week. We're eschewing our, our usual Smashing Theory format for for this episode. We we won't be doing listener mail at the end because this will be beefy enough on its own. Um and uh, uh, no predictions. Instead of looking to the future, this episode will be looking to the past. The pasts of 2019. Um, that was very poetic <laughs> of you. Beautiful. Oh, thank, thank you. Thank you. But yeah, so this episode, uh, we are the three of us are going to talk about our favorite video games of 2019 that came out over the past year. And then, uh, then we'll be able to kind of put together uh, Smashing Theory's collective champion from uh, from our picks. But first, I uh, should probably hash out some some specifics of how this is going to work. First, we're going to give some awards to special categories, and the way that'll work is basically there's there's five categories. And each of us have a pick for that category. So basically, for each category, there's going to be three winners um, or losers, depending on how negative the category is. Uh, <laughs> and and then we will each do a top five. Our five and our four picks are going to be like shorter discussions because they're essentially like honorable mentions. And then we can kind of get into it more for each of our top three picks. And then we'll we'll mash everything together. <laughs> Uh, so eligibility for, for it to be eligible for our 2019 Game of the Year awards, the game must have had its first full release between December 2018 and November 2019, beginning of December, end of November. Right. Uh, this is kind of the same time frame that the Game Awards used, uh, for 2019, and also, it means that Super Smash Bros. Ultimate is eligible for our awards because we didn't do this last year, and it would be weird if Smash Bros. Uh, would have never been eligible to win an award for a, from our Smash Bros. podcast. Right. So, uh, so we we don't know if it'll win anything, but it is in the running. Uh, by first full release, I mean that the... Uh, that the game must have come out uh, in that time span and not been a beta or a demo, not been an early access release, and uh, and not been an episodic game that did not release its final episode in that time frame. So, for example, uh, the Grand Blue Fantasy versus Beta is not eligible. Right. Um. Uh, I can't think of any cool early access games that are still in early access at, that were still in early access at that time frame. But anyway, they're not eligible. Sure. And uh, and probably the biggest one that affects our rankings, uh, Life is Strange Two is not eligible because it came the last episode of Life is Strange Two came out at the beginning of December. Right. This is this is kind of a blessing in disguise for me and Amy Lee because we haven't beaten life is strange two yet. <laughs> so it'll be eligible next year and we'll have beaten it by then. And then we can really talk about it. Yeah. Okay. 
we we came to this eligibility uh, range thanks to our Patreon. We put up a poll on patreon.com slash group, and the consensus was from our patrons was that we should do December 2018 to November 2019 instead of January 2019 to December 2019. Sure. Um, and so thanks to our patrons for that. Speaking of our patrons and speaking of best of 2019 stuff, we also, before recording this, recorded some bonus content for everyone on our Patreon at the $5 level and up, uh, where we talked about our favorite 2019 things that weren't video games, like our favorite movie of 2019, our favorite manga, our favorite meme, and uh, and that should be up within like a week of this going up. Uh, maybe it'll be up around the same time. Maybe it'll be up the following week. Right. Uh, depends on my workload. But because we recorded that beforehand and saw how long it took, I'm going to be as conscientious about our time as possible for this recording. So let's get started. Okay. Uh, we'll get started with our categories, like I mentioned before. And our first uh, special category is the best non-2019 game of 2019 so this is uh this is kind of a a personal award where we each take a game that we played in 2019 that did not come out in 2019 and we we each say our favorite of those so who should go first um sean why don't you go first what what was your favorite uh what was your favorite game that didn't come out in 2019 that you played in 2019? Well, I didn't play this game for the first time in 2019, but I did play Into the Breach in 2019 and in 2018. Uh, and had we done a podcast last year, this would have been my game of the year last year, but we, we didn't do a game of the year podcast for last year. Uh, right. Into the Breach is a strategy game by Subset Games, uh, who are also the guys who do FTL. Uh, yeah. It's, it's much more popular, brother. Uh, <laughs> and the reason that I love this game so much is that I'm a big fan of strategy games generally, particularly turn-based strategy games like Fire Emblem, Advance Wars, Civilization, Final Fantasy Tactics, all that kind of thing. And... Even though I love those games, I kind of thought that, like, well, there's there's really nothing new for that genre to offer me at this point before right, I played right. The Breach. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I often played and enjoyed very well-made, very well-executed strategy RPGs, and they might have, like, some quality of life improvements or something like that that I really appreciated. But I definitely hadn't thought to myself, like, you know, this genre is going to be reinvented by any game that I play in the future. And I knew I was going to like Into the Breach, but I didn't think that it would blow me away in the way it did, and I didn't think that it would make all these incredible design decisions um, that would truly make turn-based strategy feel new to me. Um there are just so many really, really excellent decisions that they made as they were putting the game together uh, that truly make the game feel like something new. Um, 
you uh, you are essentially kind of fending off an alien infestation and trying to avoid humanity being destroyed as you do it. Uh, and so they have this kind of system where it's almost the inverse of uh, the usual strategy formula where enemies attack first and you can see it kind of telegraphs where they're going to attack and you have to yeah. stop them as opposed to like a chess kind of system where you attack, then they attack, then you attack, then they attack. And just yeah. that, along with a lot of other things, you know, it really helped kind of change things up and make things feel new. And it allowed that team to do some very interesting things with kind of maps and situations that you can get in. Uh, so for those reasons and many more, Into the Breach is my best non-2019 game of 2019. Yeah, you recommended this game to me back when we were still doing Play This. I did. Uh, when we were still doing like our our game recommendation podcast, and uh, that was a really good recommendation. You're you're right that like it it really kind of it's a great deconstruction of the tactics genre, yes. and and it's it's a game where like it's it's a game I like for a lot of the same reasons that I like chess actually because <laughs> you have to put so much thought into your decision mm-hmm. and. And when you die or lose units, it always feels like it's your fault. Yes. Uh, so, like, yeah, Into the Breach is a really cool choice. Good pick. Thank you. And uh, I have it for, for PC. It's also available for Switch, and I think it would be a great Switch game if anybody felt like picking it up for that console. Just FYI. Yeah, I have it for Switch, I think. It's good. It, it's <laughs> it's a it's a good time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I man, maybe I should pick it back up sometime because yeah. like un- unlocking new characters and new mechs and stuff was always really fun. It is. Yeah, I'm I'm always a sucker for that. Um, Amy, you're probably not saying much about this because you you didn't really have much experience with Into the Breach. It's true. Um, I didn't play it. I didn't really watch you play it. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Well, take our yeah. word for it. I mean, it sounds interesting. Um, I think I might have tertiarily been there um, <laughs> while one of you was playing. True. But uh, yeah, I have I... a tendency to uh, disassociate and space out. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like I think you're around a little bit when I played Into the Breach, but definitely not a lot. So yeah. that makes sense. Amy, what is your favorite non-2019 game of 2019? Uh, my favorite non twenty nineteen game of twenty nineteen. Um, so funny story. Me and Daniel were trying to burn through the entire Kingdom Hearts series. <laughs> yeah. Before Kingdom Hearts three came out. Right. Yes. Uh, because we wanted to experience everything uh, chronologically, kind of. Yeah, we we wanted to basically understand Kingdom Hearts 3's story. By the time we started playing Kingdom Hearts 3. Yeah, we wanted to understand it at least as much as possible. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 came out kind of towards the later end of January. Yeah. So, the whole beginning of January, we just kind of blew through uh, my favorite non-2019 game, uh, which is Birth by Sleep. Yeah. All right. So, uh, in Birth by Sleep, the story focuses on uh, Aqua, Ventus, and Terra. Yeah. And you play as each character separately. So, you play through 
one of their stories and then you do another one of their stories uh, and then you play the last story. And Aqua is like my favorite Kingdom Hearts character. Um, <laughs> she's she's great. She's really cool. She's amazing. And uh, her gameplay is just so much fun. It's so up my alley because she's very gymnastic, very magical. Uh, she's very mobile too, which is kind of a must for me when I'm playing games like this. Sure. Mm. Uh, and I, I really loved two out of the three stories that you played. <laughs> <laughs> Tara, I'm looking at you. <laughs> um, but it's funny because with <laughs> the Kingdom Hearts series, uh, the main trio is actually my least favorite trio. Um, you mean like Sora, Riku, and Kairi? Yes. Yeah, that's not to say that I don't like that trio because I, I love and adore them. But Kingdom Hearts has kind of made me fall in love with the other trios more, um, particularly this group, because I think Aqua's and Terra's and Ventus's uh, relationship is very believable, very real, and very familial. Um, Ventus is just a precious baby. Tara's just a himbo, and <laughs> Aqua's like the depressed mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, a lot of the gameplay was a lot of fun. The story was really good. Uh, the worlds were fun. Um, although I will say that uh, the Cinderella world has <laughs> one song that loops over <laughs> in a very <laughs> short time, and it drove we us crazy. We've talked about it on the podcast. Oh, have you? <laughs> like, more, like maybe more than once. I, at least it's, one time. Yeah. Yeah. Just because, a minimum of once. Oh, man. It's just like, it's the most like, I'm here collecting a paycheck work that Yoko Shimomura has ever done. <laughs> it's a little bit longer than this, but I feel like it's like a 30 second loop of Vivity Bobbity Boo. Like, that's what I imagine it. I still refuse to blame Yoko Shimomura for that track because <laughs> she is so much better than that track. Yeah. Like, yeah, I feel like, yeah, like it's an executive's fault or maybe someone ghost recorded that. <laughs> like maybe Yoko Shimomura did not even dip her finger in that track. She's like, I'm busy. And they're like, okay, well, we're going to pretend that you wrote this song. Hey, 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 Brad! Until we all die, pretend to be Yoko Shimomura. Yeah, yeah, sure, man. Whatever you want. Yeah, simple and clean. No, no, not that for Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo. Oh, you always make me do Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo. Anyway, any more to say about Birth by Sleep, Amy? Um. I don't think so. It's just a really fun time. Uh, it really makes you feel for the characters and see a different side to the story that kind of gives more context on things. Um, yeah. But that was, I think, besides 358 over 2, uh, I think that's my favorite Kingdom Hearts game. Nice. Nice. So. I think I think Birth by Sleep might be my favorite Kingdom Hearts game, and I, I had a really good time playing through it with you. I, I really like the world design in Birth by Sleep because, like, all the worlds are, like, big enough that you kind of, like, you know, you, you get that Disney goodness in each world, mm -hmm. but they're all small enough 
that they don't like overstay their welcome. Right. And I think worlds I think worlds overstaying their welcome is a problem in nearly other nearly every other Kingdom Hearts <laughs> game. Uh like they they just feel kind of bloated and that you're like there too long mm-hmm. like, you know, like by the time I'm halfway done with like the Christmas Town world in Kingdom Hearts 2. I'm like, okay, but what's the next world going to be like? <laughs> but I I feel like each world in Birth by Sleep was like just long enough. Nice. Yeah. Um and yeah, and the stories were really great. Um yeah, good pick. Birth man, Birth by Sleep is really good. Yeah, it's a cool game. Yeah. Good. Yeah, it was a good way to start our 2019, I think. It was. It was a good start. We'll talk more about Kingdom Hearts later probably. <laughs> uh my best non-2019 game of 2019 was another game that I played more towards the beginning of the year uh, because it came out near the end of 2018, and like 2019 was when I got around to it. And it's a game that I kickstarted actually. It's a game called Wander Song. Great choice. It uh, it came out for the Switch and for other like and for PC and I think other consoles. Oh, I know it's on Xbox because it's on Xbox Game Pass now. Uh-huh. Uh and Wonder Song's great. Like, it's this game that kind of has a very like storybook look to it. Like, kind of like these paper cutout characters just like traversing kind of this this storybook like background and landscape. And it's like a side scroller with that aesthetic. And uh, you are like a minstrel who's trying to save the world with song. And basically, like you move around with a left stump thumbstick. And you move the right thumbstick uh, to sing notes. Like, you know, like if you if you press the right thumbstick up, you'll be like, oh, and then if you press it down, you might be like, oh, uh, and <laughs> and basically there's, you know, there's like eight different notes depending on where you're moving the right thumbstick. Uh, so you can kind of like just kind of like sort of. Uh, roll the right thumbstick around to like sing songs as the minstrel. Uh, and there's so many, like, basically, like, all the, all the conflict in the game, all the puzzles in the game are solved by you, like, singing those notes in different ways. And, and basically, it's the way you interact with the world. Like, sometimes the, (laughs) sometimes, like, characters will ask your character, like, a question, and you have to respond by, like, singing it. Like, it's, you know, it's... It's like it's like okay, are you ready to go? And you have to be like, sounds good. <laughs> like, that is my favorite part of the game, by the way. I get it's, just an yeah. endless amount of joy out of that. And it's so funny. The game is so funny and so charming and whimsical and cute. Uh, it has all these great little <laughs> little moments. Like, there's kind of a side character that's like really grumpy that accompanies you a lot of the time. And kind of the first time she accompanies you, like, she's walking behind you, and you have to, like, start, like, singing to, like, solve a puzzle. And then, like, you start, you know, you're like, oh, and then, like, she cuts you off. He's like, can you stop singing? Can you stop doing that? Like, all the time, all you do is sing, and it's really making me angry. <laughs> and, uh, oh, man, Water Song is underrated as hell. I just, uh... I forgot that it came, like, I forgot that I played it last year, but I had such a good time with it while I was playing mm-hmm. it. It's, uh, it's so, it's so cute and funny, and it's really up my alley. It's really, like, a lot of it is exactly my sense of humor, and, and uh, it's kind of perfect for me. I, I didn't beat it, and that's, uh, that's a regret. <laughs> that's a regret now. I, I, I got pretty far in it, 
and I I definitely want to pick that back up because yeah, quality experience. Very like if if you have kids, this game might be great for your kids. Oh yeah, that's true. Like it's it's yeah, it's really family friendly. Uh, to my memory, like if if there are like any raunchy jokes or anything, I think they're the kind that kind of fly over kids' heads. Like you know, I I it's. Nothing in Wander Song is more inappropriate than an episode of Phineas and Ferb. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right? That's a good way to put it. Yeah, like, because Phineas and Ferb gets a little under the radar sometimes, you know, it kind of, so sometimes it, it can be a little a little cute and tell kind of an adult joke that a kid will not get. Uh, and I think at the very worst, Wander Song might have a couple jokes like that, but... Uh, but I, I think mostly it's just like it's just super super all ages and super fun and super good. I like Water Song a lot. Yeah, no, I obviously I haven't played it myself, but you know, when you would be playing it, I would always watch you and I would always enjoy watching just you play that and explore that world. It's such a great great concept for a great and truly like really funny and touching and entertaining game. Yeah. Yeah. I actually got to watch you play that um, a few times, and it was really cute, and I just was cracking up the entire time you had to do the singing. <laughs> yeah. It was really charming. Very charming. Okay, cool. Uh, those are those are our favorite 2019, non-2019 games of 2019. Uh, up next category is Biggest Disappointment, um, and... I think I think this year the categories like there were some when we did this in twenty for twenty seventeen because we skipped twenty eighteen there were like some big there's some big disappointments right like mm-hmm. I remember my nomination for big biggest disappointment in twenty seventeen was Sonic Forces Ooh, right yeah. and and I don't think like uh I like looking at the outline I think you know. One of these is Sonic Force, like, is about as bad as Sonic Forces, but that's because it's, like, in real life and serious. <laughs> uh, and, like, I, I'm I'm not as disappointed by, besides that thing, um, besides that thing, I don't think I'm disappointed by anything in gaming this year as much as I was by Sonic Forces in 2017. <laughs> so I, I guess, I guess that's a good sign. But I guess I'll I'll go first. We'll go in reverse. Um, okay. And my my biggest disappointment of 2019 is uh Dragon Quest XI S's soundtrack. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And kind of connected to this Dragon Quest soundtrack representation in Smash Bros. <laughs> really, dra- drag- Dragon Quest music is my disappointment of 2019. Sure. Uh, because in Dragon Quest XI S, like, I guess the the most succinct way I could put this is that uh. Koichi Sugiyama is a hack. <laughs> uh, like that is succinct. Like, yeah, like, like a he's. We've talked about this on the pod before. Me and Sean, at the very least, he's a really shitty person. Uh, but on top of that, he's not good at making video game music anymore. I think he's been. I think he's been phoning it in for the past five games, <laughs> and like because the last five games have sounded pretty much the same as the six games that preceded it. And it's it's just I'm so tired of that sound now. Mm-hmm. Like Final Final Fantasy like, you know, has kind of a distinct sound to it for the most part. But also every soundtrack, every Final Fantasy soundtrack sounds different 
than the soundtrack of the Final Fantasy that came before. Yeah, like, you know? I think that, you know, even when it was just Nobuo Uematsu writing every Final Fantasy soundtrack, he kind of considered the tone of the game and planned his soundtrack around it. Uh, yeah. Which is very cool. Yeah, and, like, I, I just don't think Dragon Quest music fits Dragon Quest games anymore, mm. you know? I, I think they were good, like, you know, back in the day, back when they were Super Nintendo games and stuff, but, like, I don't know, like, a, a really, like, cool and epic thing will happen in Dragon Quest Eleven, and you'll just hear, like, a... Like, it's like, boy, I, uh... I, you are killing it. You are killing... You're killing the tone. You're killing my immersion. I... Yeah, it man, the soundtrack made me mad and and like even even music that was that's like fine in the game, like the the world map theme is like fine. Mm. At least it is at least it is orchestrated. Right. <laughs> uh but then I hear it 500 times and I I'm much less into it by time <laughs> 470, you know, it's and then like on top of all that we don't get we don't even get the orchestrated tracks for Smash Bros. Right. We get we get like the MIDI's and ooh, ooh the, yeah. The the MIDI's are Bad. like if if I'm unsatisfied with the orchestrated soundtrack, the MIDI's are just abysmal. They oh man, they're so bad. Like I remember when I when I was like uh for the podcast I was listening to each track uh when Hero came out and Amy was standing next to me and she got like just actually <laughs> angry <laughs> at like at like the Dragon Quest Eleven world map track, the MIDI version of it. Yeah, uh, I, it, that invoked a rage in me that I just was not prepared for. <laughs> I did not enjoy that. You 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 were a music major, right? And like mm-hmm. so, so like you, I remember you saying that you just like. Your sensibilities of what you knew about music theory felt assaulted <laughs> by you listening to that. I did because, like, the melody was so <laughs> simple, and yeah, none of yep. the harmonies, uh, MIDI-wise, like s- meshed with it well enough. Like the colors and the tones mm-hmm. just weren't there, and it just sounded so bad. And I was so mad because, like. I I am a music major. I've you know, music's very important to me and it has mm-hmm. been my whole life. And like yeah. I took about two years of, of music theory in, in college and like even I think that that could have been orchestrated better. Sure. Yeah. Like uh like I, I will say that like the orchestra that orchestrates the Dragon Quest music mm-hmm. for yes. Dragon Quest eleven do an amazing job. Yes. Because because they make because especially after hearing the midis, that orchestra had shit to work with. <laughs> they had nothing, and they made it sound okay. <laughs> and that's like I'm very impressed by them. That's quite a feat, and I think they did a great job. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, I just oh man, like uh, I I just I'm so tired of Koichi Sugiyama just just for so many reasons. <laughs> it's kind of so many reasons. It's kind of funny for me to listen to this conversation and participate into this conversation now because 
my younger brother has recently really gotten into Dragon Quest. Like over the past couple of oh. months, he kind of oh, nice. he like started with the first game and he's been playing through all of them. And wow. one of the experiences that he has had is that he has really been enjoying Koichi Sugiyama's music. Um, <laughs> and he'll every now and again, he'll send me like, like, oh, man, I was playing, you know, this Dragon Quest game and I heard this song and it just like it really took me back to this like nostalgic place in my childhood or whatever. And he'll send me like one of Sugiyama's better songs and I'll go like, oh, right. wow, you know, there was a time when this guy had range and imagination and was yeah. capable of writing some really good stuff. And I just don't have the heart to tell Ryan, like, A, it oh, it's all goes downhill from here. And B, <laughs> this man does not believe that comfort women existed during World War II. <laughs> like, like, I, I don't want to rain yeah. on his parade because he's enjoying it so much. Uh, so, you right. know, if at a certain point he says, like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of getting sick of this music, I can go, like, well, by the way. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know. it's like, thank God I have some shit to tell <laughs> right. you. Right, exactly. Yeah. But, no, he he did know what he was doing much better in the 90s. Yeah. You know, like, Dragon Dragon Quest V, I have fond memories of that soundtrack. Mm -hmm. But, oh, boy, Dragon Quest V was a long <laughs> time ago. Yep. Uh <laughs> So, yeah, that's my biggest disappointment. Amy Lee, give us your biggest disappointment. Oh, man. Of 2019. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my biggest disappointment of 2019 isn't even a big deal, but it's a big <laughs> deal to me. <laughs> so there's this game coming out uh, called Little Friends, Dogs, and Cats. Now, how could you be disappointed in a game with a name like that? Oh, let me count the ways. <laughs> so basically, it's kind of a uh, knockoff Nintendogs mm -hmm. uh, yeah. in which you can also have cats, right? Like, that sounds perfect. Uh, right. Yeah, it came out for the Switch. Yes, for Switch. And I was super excited about this because I keep saying that Nintendogs should be like a mobile game it needs mm -hmm. to be brought back. Nintendogs brought me so much serotonin. You know, <laughs> where did it all go? So I was <laughs> I was ready for little friends because the fact that you could have dogs and cats um, simultaneously in the same game was uh, very appealing to me because I am both a cat and a dog person. Uh, even yeah. though I'm more of a dog person, I still love cats. So yeah. I was really excited for this game. I was like hyped for it. I was like, yeah, this is Nintendogs version two. We got this. Uh, and then the game came out. I ended up getting it. Uh, and wow, it is just name brand Nintendogs, but like so much worse. <laughs> like you, there's really not much to do in this game. Like, they kind of have, like, a, a frisbee game, kind of like um, Nintendogs did, mm -hmm. where you kind of, like, throw the disc, and it's a competition, and your dog can catch it and all that, right? But, like, it's just boring. And that's saying something from me, you know? Like, a game where you can own and pet animals and name them and stuff and take care of them, like... <laughs> There is just not much to it. Mm -hmm. um, it's there's yeah, there's just not much to do. Um, there's there's cute like customization options, 
um, for like dressing up your animals, but you're limited to a certain number of animals. Like at least in Nintendogs, you could have a bunch and then you could put them in the dog hotel and swap them out. But Little Friends doesn't even do that. You have to wait <laughs> until you reach a certain level to get oh. another animal. What oh. the hell? Ouch. <laughs> I want another dog, and I want another dog right fucking now. <laughs> and I couldn't. So you're stuck with one animal until you reach a certain higher level. It's not even like a super obtainable level, from what I remember at least. Because I remember being like, oh, I have to get to this level. Nope. And then I stopped playing. (laughs) I played for a few hours because I thought it would be cute and cool. And I love puppies and kitties. But, oh, it's just so disappointing. Like, I really just was expecting better. Like, I don't think that we'll ever get to Nintendogs quality of a game. That mm-hmm. isn't actually like a Nintendog sequel or like remake. Sure. Yeah. But I was hoping for something close, and it's just very short of that. Like there, like I said, there really isn't much to do. You have to level up to to get other animals. Like uh, it takes a while because you have to just kind of keep doing the disc competition. Sure. And like, God, yeah. I just quickly found like that there was really nothing beyond that. And then I was really sad about it. <laughs> I I do remember how deflated you were upon realizing that there's like no substance to that game. Yeah, and like you can't really use the touch screen that much uh, as mm. well when you have it in handheld mode. And I primarily play uh, my Switch right. games in handheld mode. Um, there's no uh, microphone thing that like Nintendogs did either. So you just kind of like name your dog and cat and that's it yeah man that's that's probably why nintendo haven't bothered to do any nintendogs because there's no mic mm. that was such a like that was such a great part of nintendogs right mm-hmm. you know you'd be like you'd be Lucky. like sparky and then like yeah right and then they'd actually like look over and like run towards the screen okay. god that was so that was so much of the magic of that right? actually that was so like because like yeah you'd you know, it'd be like, say the name of your dog, right? When you when you get your dog, it's like, what do you want to name your dog? And you would say the name in addition to spelling it out. And uh, and so that way, whenever you said that name, the game would recognize it and the dog would run over. Yeah. Like, uh, like yeah. I just wanted to live out my wildest fantasies of having, like, <laughs> ten dogs and ten cats. <laughs> and instead, I have to get to, like, level 15 to potentially buy another animal and then who knows how much more I'll have to level up to get a third animal. Um, yeah, you know what? I'm just gonna say it. Little friend sucks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's like it's always a really frustrating experience when you get a game because you love, you know, this other game and you think that it'll be a similar experience uh you know or it'll make you feel the same way but it doesn't yeah um like i a couple of months ago um i picked up war groove uh for the switch oh. which is this game that is it's basically like just medieval advance wars 
Um, yeah. And I love Advance Wars. <laughs> Which, isn't that Fire Emblem? <laughs> well, no, uh, no, no. No, I, I, I know, I was saying it to be uh, funny. Okay. Yeah, it's, anyway, um, go on. Anyway, I... That was, that was a great joke. I, I'm just gonna say it, that was fucking good. <laughs> All right, Daniel. Medieval Advance Wars, it's Fire Emblem. We all agree with you, you Daniel. You, you, you fucking get it, man? You get the fucking... Uh, sorry, war group. Anyway, go on. No, I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, war groove. You know, I kind of booted it up, thinking like, "Oh man, this will be great." I've missed Advance Wars so much. You know, it'll be really great to kind of play a game like this again. And it was just, I think that I was so interested in it being, you know, kind in it evoking the same feelings in me that Advance Wars did, that when I opened it up. And there were kind of all these changes and all these ways that, you know, the game did things differently. Like, they they may not even be bad decisions, but it just, it felt so off to me that I was kind of put off from playing it. Um, and I haven't actually mm. played it since that first time that I tried it out. Um, and so, like, like, even a good game can make you feel that way if your expectations are set the wrong way. It's a shame that, like, this game did that to you and it was bad. You know, like you can't even go back to it after you have like a different frame of mind because it's just a worse experience. I'm sorry you had that experience. <laughs> it was terrible. I was depressed. Uh, Nintendo, if you're listening, I'm begging you, please. <laughs> put a put a mic in the Switch and then give I us Nintendo the 3. <laughs> I will kill man. Please. <laughs> she would kill me for that. Um... Yeah, no. <laughs> no, we we have our own little Nintendo dog, so Yeah, his name's Ziggy. Um but yeah, that was mine. Um I I almost put Sean's answer up, but <laughs> Sean's disappointment uh chronologically came first and I have to big agree, so Sean, what was yours? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Sean, tell us your your biggest disappointment. My biggest disappointment for 2019 was Blizzard's decision making. And when I say that, <laughs> I'm of course referring to, you know, the corporate entity Activision Blizzard um because boy, they just made a lot of bad decisions and they haven't stopped since 2019 ended, like more things. Yeah. Uh but the thing principally that I'm thinking of involved the hong kong protests um which yeah. for those of you who may not know hong kong while technically a part of china it's kind of like governed differently because of this agreement that was made between um hong kong and mainland china after hong kong stopped being a british colony in 1997 um and they it's kind of generally a more western place and they have more freedoms and lately, uh, mainland China, uh, which is a very, and when I say this, I'm not trying to tar communism with a bad brush, but, you know, it is a communist government kind of run in the way that makes people scared of communist governments sometimes. Like, there's a lot of control. People, you know, get disappeared if they say the wrong thing or, like, locked up yeah. or whatever. Um, you know, generally, um, it, it can be kind of a, kind of a scary place and a lot of Hong Kongers, you know, 
they are just uh they're not fond of the notion of one day getting kind of completely repatriated you know into the chinese government and having to live like that um but they lately the mainland has been kind of cracking down on hong kong um and trying to make it so that like people who live in hong kong can get extradited to the mainland if they commit a crime and just a lot of other decisions that are very disturbing uh and so to make a long story short, you know, there have been these protests in Hong Kong that have been ongoing for a while, and they've kind of spread onto social media, and the winner of a uh, Hearthstone tournament, Hearthstone being a Blizzard game, when he was asked, like, you know, if there was anything that he wanted to say after he won, he said, Liber liberate Hong Kong, this is the revolution of our times. Uh, and, uh, you know, when when people kind of stand up against china in that way um china can kind of they they sometimes will kind of pressure you know companies to censor their employees or what have you and so in this case uh what blizzard wound up doing was taking away the guy's prize winnings and banning him from hearthstone competitions uh and yeah that was just like the wrong thing to do. And it made people really upset, <laughs> uh, including yeah. me. Yeah. And later they walked it back. Well, initially they kind of stood their ground and they said like, look, I mean, this guy, you know, he knows that he's not supposed to do kind of political activism when he's representing Blizzard at these Hearthstone tournaments, blah, blah, blah. They eventually walked it back yeah. and they said, okay, he'll be able to compete sooner than we said. And he gets his prize money back. And they kind of kept trying to make it up to their fans in unsatisfactory ways. Uh, mm. And they did this kind of like lame mea culpa, apology, non-apology at BlizzCon. And just the way they yeah. handled it, like, you know, my my feeling about Blizzard has soured uh, since I initially became aware of them. Uh, you know, kind of over time, but that was really like, that was the point at which I I wanted to be like, you know, I'm I'm just going to completely distance myself from this company now because of how badly they handled it, and that was really sad yeah. for me because like, Blizzard is the company that got me into PC gaming. Like the first <laughs> PC game that I can remember really playing is in my middle school computer lab. We had StarCraft installed on all the computers, and we were done with our work. We would play LAN matches. And then from there, I got into Warcraft and World of Warcraft and Diablo and Hearthstone and Overwatch. And I played and enjoyed all these games. And it's just really frustrating to see a company that you really liked and admired and appreciated kind of go down this road. So that was definitely my biggest disappointment of 2019 was just how Blizzard handled, you know, the the kind of Hong Kong protest situation. Yeah, absolutely. Like, <laughs> I I think it's safe to say that, like how blizzard handled the hong kong situation is the biggest disappointment of 2019 <laughs> even if amy and i brought forth different biggest disappointments right. i think you know i i think the reason amy and i didn't bring that forward is because you brought it forward <laughs> you know like it's uh yeah it's it's just it's a bummer it it really yeah. is like it's 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 really disappointing and like Especially because, like, Blizzard did that mea culpa, but they did that mea culpa in America, mm -hmm. like, and then, like, and then, like, over in China, like, Blizzard, Blizzard social media reps in China were just like, we stand by this great country, right. and they have done nothing yeah. wrong, you know, it's like, oh, 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 boy, yeah, yeah, yeah it's rough. Yeah, um, I, um, 
I am very big on Overwatch. Mm-hmm. I play yeah. Overwatch a lot. Like Daniel and Sean can vouch for that. <laughs> um, we can. I, I've been interested in it since day one. Uh, I ended up buying it for both PC and PS4. Uh, I've put in... And you were about to triple dip on the Switch I too was... before, yeah. before some stuff happened. Yeah. yeah, I actually was going to get it for Switch because that way uh, it'd be easier to play so I can just like play it in bed <laughs> in our room because <laughs> yeah. we don't have a TV in our room. So uh, I could just play it handheld uh, because I like the game so much. Uh, me personally, I like it because like there's just so many different characters and play styles, and I'm actually good at this game, <laughs> so that helps. <laughs> yeah, she she is. She actually no, really like is. yeah, she's, she's yeah, awesome. I mean, yeah. you know, I've been watching you play it since you first played it, and you very quickly went from like, oh wow, I'm surprised at how good Amy Lee is at this game, to like, Amy Lee is so much better than me at this game, and better than I ever will be at this game. Uh, <laughs> it was like this meteoric rise to the the top of the Overwatch skill uh, ceiling. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah no. Yeah, like, yeah. I've, I've invested so much time in Overwatch, and I, I actually used to, like, play it daily, or the very least like weekly mm. and uh and then they pulled this bullshit <laughs> and i actually stopped playing for a few months yeah um yeah which is a, a big deal for me because it was your routine you know yeah mm-hmm. yeah i would i would like come home from work i would de-stress by playing some overwatch it's it's a very right. big comfort for me as well yeah um and so I was just so disappointed that I didn't want to give them any of my attention. Mm-hmm. I missed out on a few events, which never happens because I always play every <laughs> event uh, that Overwatch has because I like participating in those and collecting as much of the like skins and uh, you know like new stuff that you get. Yeah, and I just didn't because I was so upset with how they handle it. You know, like even if. You know, technically, he did break a rule by speaking out uh, mm. and, and kind of, like, breaking that. The way they handled it was just so gross Oh yeah. that uh, I just stopped. I just stopped, and uh, it was really disappointing. Like I said, I, I didn't end up buying it on Switch because I don't want to give them money after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't yeah. want to like financially support that and have them be like, oh, well, people are still buying our games. <laughs> I mean, that's going to happen anyways, but I personally don't want to um, include myself in that. Yeah, so... and, and and man, like other companies distance themselves from that, you know? Like there was initially going to be an Overwatch like launch event at the Nintendo World Store, and then like the day before it happened... Uh, because this all happened really close to the Hong Kong controversy, like the Nintendo World Store was like, "Uh, it's can Blizzard decided to cancel it for some <laughs> right. reason. I don't know. Don't look at us." And like, and like they, <laughs> like Witcher Three came out on the same day, and Nintendo marketed Witcher Three on their social media, but they did not market Overwatch <laughs> on their social media. Uh, yeah, and uh, and. <laughs> And if you listen to Smashing Theory, uh, I've I've had a conspiracy theory that Tracer was going to be in Smash at some point, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, yeah, that was just incredibly disappointing. Um, mm-hmm. I have slowly gotten back into it now that they've 
addressed it multiple times. I'm still not happy with how they handled it. Um, and even how they tried to rectify it, like, I'm glad that they gave him his, his winnings back, because they did. Yeah. Right. Um, but the, the kind of, like, t- tongue-in-cheek jokes about it at, um... At BlizzCon were... At not, BlizzCon. Not, not in the greatest taste. Mm-hmm. Not, yeah. Also not handled well, and kind of felt like they weren't taking as much responsibility and taking it as seriously yeah i still don't like that um but i really did stop playing for a few months and that's just so sad yeah Mm -hmm. at, at least at least one like bit of solace and all that is just like seeing the fact that blizzard is a really big company and not everyone at that company agrees with what blizzard did either you know that's true yes like uh like I, I think one thing, Amy, that helped you get like pick Overwatch back up after after your hiatus for a while was Jeff Kaplan actually speaking out against those decisions and being like, I think he should get his winnings back immediately and I yes. I I don't think they should have handled it this way. Like Yeah, Jeff yeah. Kaplan because we hadn't really heard anybody else's take on it besides like the official Blizzard ruling. Yeah. Uh, and then a while after that, Jeff Kaplan was like, I don't agree with this. This shouldn't have happened. And I was like, you know what, Jeff? You're you're pretty all right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, it's it's good to know. Yeah. Yeah, he, he can do things besides give very cursed development diaries. So <laughs> that's, that's nice. Uh <laughs> But yeah, cool. I I think that's I think that's a good rundown of our biggest disappointments. Really, our our biggest disappointment singular, and then some runner up disappointments. <laughs> right. Um. So let's talk about the best soundtrack of 2019. Ooh. Okay. Um, Amy Lee, what is the best? What is your best soundtrack of 2019? Uh, so my best soundtrack of 2019 is actually, uh, Sayonara Wild Hearts. Okay. Yeah. So I will preface this by saying that um the soundtrack is kind of what makes Sayonara Wild Hearts. Yeah. Uh, it's a very musically focused game. Um there are rhythm aspects to it. So uh you would hope that the soundtrack <laughs> uh would be as good and kind of like the main focus of the game. Uh, and I think Sayonara Wild Hearts really delivers on that. Um, if you haven't heard any of the tracks, it's very pop, very electric, very um, positive and upbeat. It's got a cool modern spin on uh, Debussy's uh, Claire de Lune, actually. Oh. And that shit slaps. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, I was listening to the soundtrack a bit ago and it's really good uh i understand why it was nominated for like soundtrack awards uh i understand why uh a lot of people ended up saying the game was really good because of the soundtrack and it's more of like an album video game (laughs) than a video game with a soundtrack right Um, like the, the soundtrack is kind of what tells the story in a lot of ways right Exactly. Inside our wild hearts, yeah. Yeah, and the the music is by um, Daniel Olson and Jonathan Ng. Hmm. There's uh, vocals on some of the tracks that uh, are by Linnea Olson, and ah. 
her voice is really fitting for this. Um, like I said, it's very electro pop. Mm. And uh, one of the like more well-known songs is called The World We Knew. And it's outstanding. <laughs> like you've got uh you've got songs with vocals you've got songs without vocals but neither of them feel unbalanced in terms of like how good they are um how much of a jam they are the storytelling that it gives uh it's really good like i i can't really <laughs> can't really find other words for it but the story um if you have an experience sign our wild hearts is basically a story about a woman's heartbreak. Um, and she has to, uh, kind of confront the major arcana from like tarot. That's and, oh, okay. Um, kind of take their hearts back because they stole hearts. So she's taking them back. And, that's, okay. um, that's kind of also how she deals with her heartbreak. So, um, Ah, Sayonara Wild Hearts. I get yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And uh there's there's a lot of gameplay that involves like hitting something on the beat or doing something at the right rhythm. And uh a lot of these boss fights like have some really good themes that kind of get you hyped for it and and you really feel kind of the tone of that the game is trying to get across. So um I think Sayonara Wild Hearts is just a really good display of music. Nice. Man, that sounds fucking rad. Yeah. It is. Yeah, we we should we should play that shit. Yeah, I really want to. <laughs> yeah, that's that's going to go on the that that'll be our best non-2020 game of 2020 next year. <laughs> it probably will be. The gameplay looks really good. Uh like I said I was listening to the music while um writing all of my stuff up actually and I was huh. jamming out. <laughs> nice. Awesome. Sean, your f- best soundtrack of 2019. 2019, best... yes. I I got confused with years for a second. 2019. <laughs> My best soundtrack of 2019 is from a game called Katana Zero, uh, which Ooh. is a very cool kinetic action game. And the game itself is kind of awash in that sort of like outrun style, you know, like kind of futuristic 80s thing. Mm-hmm. Um and the soundtrack does a lot of that too. It's like it's it's very like kind of like moody carpenter brute style synth. Uh <laughs> and this game actually it got announced years ago and then it came out in 2019 and I'd been following the development because it seemed really interesting to me. And uh one of the things one of the earlier things they did is uh one of the composers for the game Ludowick said like hey we're going to be releasing some of katana zero's music on streaming services like spotify uh and so i listened to all the songs and thought they were really good and uh, a couple of them are actually just still on my main spotify playlist because they just hold up on their own as these really great songs and i kind of enjoy like if i'm listening to music you know i almost want it to be like the soundtrack of my life like if i am uh running from the train to my office because I otherwise I'll be late for work. I want to put on something that's going to get my blood pumping. If I'm <laughs> trying to relax, I want to put on something that's, you know, going to kind of help me calm down a little bit. And Katana Zero, because the songs are both 
kind of meant to be the soundtrack for this very intense game, but also they're just very listenable. You know, they, they just kind of sound like a lot of the other synth music that I listen to. Uh, they have enjoyed that kind of soundtrack of my life rotation, and I've been essentially listening to some of the songs in the soundtrack for years because they're <laughs> just that good. Um, they they suit the world of the game. They also stand on their own as just great songs, and so that is why Katana Zero gets my nomination for Best Soundtrack of 2019. Nice. Yeah. That 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 sounds cool. It sounds pretty pretty groovy. It is extremely groovy. So my best soundtrack of twenty nineteen. This was actually kind of tough for me because I think we got a handful of like really good soundtracks mm-hmm. this year. Yeah. And um, so like I thought about Smash Bros. Ultimate, which has like a lot of excellent new tracks. I really thought about Pokemon Sword and Shield mm-hmm. uh, because I think it, its soundtrack really stood out this year. Uh, but I settled on Kingdom Hearts 3's soundtrack. Okay. Uh, because, like, there's... Uh, I I think it's safe to say that Kingdom Hearts 3 is kind of a mixed bag of a game. Um, and, you know, uh, I think some things about it were kind of disappointing... <laughs> I, I know that when we were putting this together, Kingdom Hearts 3 almost won uh, its story, almost one biggest disappointment for Amy Lee. <laughs> uh, but um, I think whatever negative things you can say about Kingdom Hearts 3, I think Yoko Shimomura really brought her A-game with Kingdom Hearts 3. I think oh, the yeah. Sound- yeah, I think the soundtrack was just real good, like... Uh, there's just a lot of cool bangers. I love like pretty much all the battle themes in this game, and and some of the world, <laughs> like she each world theme, uh, really makes you feel like like you're in that world and you're part of that world. Like I uh, when I was playing through the Toy Story world in Kingdom Hearts three, like I almost <laughs> cried, and like and and it's because like. It's just got such like a great like just gentle, uh, warm rendition of "You've Got a Friend in Me" playing like mm-hmm. while you're just walking around the world and like I you know that just really solidified the feeling like oh my god it's here I'm in a I'm in a Toy Story <laughs> world after all these fucking years I'm fucking it's here it's happened it's happening oh god I'm so happy like <laughs> like Yoko Shimura really like brought those feelings forward with like that excellent soundtrack um. Uh, I I really love like the battle theme in the Tangled World and um yeah it's 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 a there's not really a <laughs> there was one bad track in Birth by Sleep there are no bad tracks <laughs> in Kingdom Hearts three and on top of that we got not one but two Utada Hikaru songs one of which was a collab with Skrillex <laughs> and and I love both of those songs a lot like uh, yeah. Like face my fears just slaps. Uh, Amy said it, so I feel like I'm allowed to say slaps again. <laughs> and we had a moratorium on that word for like a year, but uh, but I think if we use it in moderation, we're still good. And uh, like uh, yeah, face my fears just like it it goes it goes really hard, and it doesn't go too dubstep. It goes just dubstep enough, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it 
I just really love the sound of it. And then, of course, there's uh, there's Don't Think Twice, which is just really, um, really emotional. Uh, yeah. Like... <laughs> Sean, would you like to tell a story about Don't Think Twice? As a matter of fact, Daniel, I would. Yeah. <laughs> uh... <laughs> So, I really like this manga and anime series called Kaguya-sama Love is War, and I, at one point, was reading the manga while Amy Lee was making dinner in the kitchen, uh, and I was in the living room, um, but they're they're close enough in our apartment that, you know, you can kind of hear what's going on in either room at any yeah, given time. Yeah, and Amy likes to play music whenever she cooks. Right, so she was playing music, and uh, the what's it called the the sad one uh don't think twice right uh don't think twice came on as i was reading this really sad emotional part <laughs> of kaguya-sama love is war and um it it kind of got me so in my feelings that i almost started crying uh because of just the combination of that moment and that incredible song um <laughs> and so now Whenever I hear that song, I think of that sad moment in Kaguya-sama, and whenever I think of that sad moment in Kaguya-sama, I hear that song playing in my head, and it, like, gets me misty-eyed. That's how good this soundtrack is. <laughs> I just now have a permanent association to it, like, with this this kind of moment in fiction uh, that will never go away for the rest of my life. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I like I I think so many people kind of like to talk about what went wrong with Kingdom Hearts 3 that the soundtrack kind of slipped under the radar. This thing this went really this thing that went really right, I think. Yeah. And uh and I think it deserves commendations for that. I agree. Um, Agreed. Yeah, cool. All right. So, uh next category Back in 2017, I did a category called Best Cat of 2017, <laughs> and uh, it kind of got a mixed reception uh, from our panel. This year, we're doing Best New Pokemon of 2019, um, because Pokemon Sword and Shield came out, and uh, a bunch of new Pokemon came out with it, and some of them were pretty good. Yeah. Uh, so I'll I'll we'll go back in reverse again. My favorite uh, new Pokemon of 2019. Uh, this was kind of tough. There's some Pokemon designs I really liked, but I think the one uh, like uh, Snom almost took it. Uh, <laughs> but I I think the one that kind of uh, just surprised me with how much it warmed my heart mm -hmm. uh, was uh, Phalanx. Okay. Um, which is uh, which is basically just like. It's just a line of like five like little like Goomba looking things like wearing like Spartan uh, helmets. Yeah. Um. It's like a fighting type, and it's just like yeah, it's just like a line of little troops that like move around in unison together, and uh, and like man, their their design is is really cute, and also like uh, their gimmick just kind of just kind of revolves around like the five of them like doing things together and like all their moves kind of uh give this vision of them like supporting each other and moving as a unit mm -hmm. um and they have one of the coolest signature moves in the game uh which is called no retreat uh you use no retreat and all the phalanx like do a little like war cry together like they do this cute animation where they all just like kind of yell like while fireworks go off behind them and uh 
and then Felix raises all of their stats, and then they cannot, f- <laughs> and then they cannot flee from battle for the rest of the battle. <laughs> that is great. That's really <laughs> right? great. Yeah, like it's, uh, it's one of like the best like thematic like signature moves I've seen in Pokemon, and it really just like lends itself to to Felix's kind of like warrior personality that that they have, uh, and also. One thing that really wore my heart is there's this there was this really cute animation um on online that someone just made of like uh of like just like uh like a sword and shield trainer like biking through one of the cities in sword and shield and then they see like <laughs> like a like a crossing sign and they stop and then like the and then like a row of phalanx just like march out like to the beat of this song mm. i forget what the song is i i feel like it's uh uh but it's it's groovy oh i think i think they they march out to the tune of september oh um, yeah 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 and then it just like shows them marching through like different like pokemon landscapes uh to the beat of the music and um i know phalanx is just really cute and and a cool design um, I, I like Phalanx a lot, and I love that video that you just referenced. It's fantastic. Yeah. I'm um, in the fuck Phalanx camp. Oh, uh, no! Purely because, do you know how many fucking times oh, I had to yep. fight Phalanx to actually capture it, and it wiped my party four times? <laughs> <laughs> so That's fuck right. Phalanx. I hate that fucking Pokemon. I can't even like it now. Because I had to walk all the way over to the area. Like, because you have to, like, climb ladders and go through different levels to fucking get there. And he just, like, they just wiped my party four separate times. So four times I had to, like, go back to the Pokemon Center, walk all the way back there, climb the ladders, (laughs) fight it again. Oh my god, it was terrible. It was like one of the worst Pokemon experiences of my life, so I hate Phalanx. <laughs> well, fair enough. <laughs> Sean, what's, what's your favorite Pokemon of 2019? My favorite Pokemon of 2019 is Galarian Stunfisk. Uh, Good pick. I love Stunfisk. I think that it is such an underrated Pokemon. I love its design. I love its type combination, which is ground electric. Um, And I am, it's kind of like the same situation that you're in with Tropius. Like, I can't believe (laughs) that Stunfisk doesn't get more attention. I can't believe that Stunfisk doesn't evolve into something really cool. Like, I just, I just want the world for Stunfisk. And, you know, it's been ignored since it debuted until now. This yeah. past year in Pokemon Sword and Shield, Stunfisk got a really cool Galarian form where it is ground steel instead of ground electric, and it looks like a fucking bear trap, and it is yep. great. Like, I I don't have Pokemon Sword slash Shield yet. I intend to get it because the DLC looks really cool, and when I do, I'm going to catch a Galarian Stunfisk, and I'm going to make it the most important part of my team somehow because i think it is so great that we have you know this just like bomb ass galarian form in this game so galarian stunfisk best new pokemon 
Yeah, I'm I'm happy for you. Thank you. Tro- because <laughs> Tropius has been around for two generations longer than Stunfisk <laughs> and still doesn't have any new shit. In fact, when Pokemon Sun and Moon came out and a Pokemon that resembles a palm tree got an Alolan form, that Pokemon wasn't Tropius. <laughs> oh, I'm still upset. Amy Lee... <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite Pokemon of 2019? Um, this is really hard for me. Uh, I almost picked Alchemy. Ooh, yeah, Alchemy's um, good. Because the fact that it's just this cute-ass little ice cream, whipped cream little thing, <laughs> um, and it's got 70 forms, uh, <laughs> is pretty cool. Like, you can just kind of customize your Pokemon by doing weird stuff, which is really cool. It is um, pretty cool. Love alchemy, but Nicket is just too up my alley for me to not pick Nicket. Mm-hmm. Um, Nicket's very up your alley. Yeah, foxes are my favorite animal. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have been since I was little. And uh, dark type Pokemon have been uh, amongst some of my favorites. So when they introduced Nicket, a dark type fox Pokemon, uh, I just fell in love and was super excited to play Sword and Shield. Uh, that was actually the main reason that I was buying Sword and Shield, because I had seen leaks of Nicket, and I was like, oh my god, there's a fox Pokemon, I'm getting this game. Um, and, like, it's a fox that's dark type, who's sneaky, and when Nicket evolves, it has a mustache? Yeah, it does. I, it's got, like, this little, like... I don't even know how to describe it, but it's it's a little it's a little like Snively Whiplash. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Like it's just got this ridiculous mustache because it's supposed to be sneaky and like I <laughs> I fucking love this stupid fox Pokemon with a mustache. Like I I think one of my favorite parts about it is that uh, even the female Nickets keep their mustache. That like, is yeah, great. yeah, they do. Yeah, I really appreciate that because I was scared um, when I got the game that maybe the the female version would have like long eyelashes or something, you know, like <laughs> right, right. <laughs> something like stereotypically, sure, you know, like feminine. But the fact that female feebles can keep their mustache makes me so happy. They're like I'm glad. they're like little swipers from Dora. <laughs> oh yeah, they are. I, they I are. I love them. It's they're good. Yeah, they're they're very good Pokemon. That's a good pick. Nickets a really cool design. I I I agree. Good good new Pokemon. Yeah, like what other Pokemon has a mustache? <laughs> uh, okay, Nosepass, Probopass. Probopass has yeah. Why did you make me think of Probopass? Okay, <laughs> but which mustache is better? I oh, mean, Thievil hands thank down. You. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, last special category before we start getting into our top five is uh, best game we didn't play in 2019. Uh, a, a lot of games came out this year, and as they do every year, and and for for all of us, I think there is at least one game that kind of like we wanted to play it when it came out, but then it kind of fell by the wayside, and we weren't able to get it or pick it up or play it. And I always, um, I always want to kind of highlight at least one of those. 
especially because 2019, I think, was a year where uh, this was this year was the least amount of video games I've played in a long time, I think. Like, mm. in terms of new video games that came out, I usually get to play a lot every year, and um, I I didn't get to do that this year, really. Uh, mm. And I, I feel like Amy also played a bit less video games than usual. Uh, Sean, you actually might have played more video games than you usually do, actually. Yeah, I think I did, actually. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, whatever. Uh, you go first. What's your What's the best game in 2019 that you didn't play? Uh, the best game in 2019 that I did not play is Luigi's Mansion 3. I yeah. am an enormous Luigi's Mansion fan. I played and loved the first one. I played and loved the second one. And I was really looking forward to the third one. It just happened to come out during a time when I knew that I'd be buying a lot of other games. And I just wasn't really able to uh, pick it up as well. I absolutely intend to get it and devour it and really appreciate it. Uh, but it's, you know, it's going to have to wait. Uh, but I, I'm i someone who, like, like, the second Luigi's Mansion game has been kind of divisive. I loved that game. And since right, so yeah. many of the reviews of Luigi's Mansion 3 have been like, oh, this is a return to form after Luigi's Mansion 2, I just feel like I'm going to like it even more. Uh, it looks really cute. I love Gooigi. <laughs> <laughs> yes! <laughs> Who is just this, like, Luigi made of green goo that you can kind of summon and switch to and have run around for you. Um, and I think I may have said this on the podcast before, but... 95% of why I love Luigi so much is his name. Like, that is a great translation decision. Uh, yeah, just good, good job, Treehouse, or whoever you know, <laughs> translated Luigi's Mansion 3. But yeah, uh, I think that there's... It's, it's clear to me that there's going to be a lot for me to look forward to. Um, I know that some people who hang out on our Discord have gotten the game and really liked it, so I'm looking forward to kind of joining the club and sinking my teeth into Luigi's Mansion 3 at some point in the near future. So that's my best game I didn't play. Nice. I, I've heard a lot of great things about Luigi's Mansion 3, too, um, at this point. And, uh, and it feels like it kind of slipped under the radar because a lot of big, high-profile games came out this year. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's, definitely, that's definitely something I'm looking forward to you like getting to, <laughs> to jump back to and visit and then tell me how that is. Cool. Uh, yeah, very curious about Luigi's Mansion 3. Well, I'll give you uh, all the deets once I've got it. <laughs> My best game that I didn't play uh, is an interesting choice because um, I think there's a decent chance that it might not be good. <laughs> uh, but but it, it has a pedigree. It comes from a developer that I'm that I've had some very good experiences with. And the, the game is called I, the Somnium Files. It came out for the Switch. It came out for other platforms last year. And it's the latest game uh, from Kotaro Uchikoshi. Right. The, uh, the creator of the Zeroscape franchise, a franchise that, uh, that I'm very into and that Amy Lee is very into. Um, and that I have played. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, really... Games by Kotaro Uchikoshi are kind of 
they're kind of all the kind of game where you don't really want to know too much about it before you play it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't really know much about Eye of the Somnium Files, <laughs> except that uh, except that there's kind of uh, that it plays with perception in different ways, and also that one of the main characters is like uh, is like an idol, and in the in the lead up to the game coming out, they uh, they actually made a YouTube channel for that idol where she like <laughs> where she like you know did some promotional stuff but like other than that like i i deliberately have learned very little about i the somnium files so it could be it could be a a big problematic mess it could be kind of bad mm-hmm. i don't know yet um but it's definitely like it's definitely one of the games i wanted to play most last year because uh because the zero escape franchise was such was such a great experience for me and and amy and um and I, I really want to dig into the latest Ushikoshi thing and, and see what new weird ideas he has, you know? I feel like even if maybe the thing, if maybe if I isn't, like, universally good, there will at least be some very cool ideas in I, the Somnium Files. So, uh, you know, it, it'll be kind of... Uh, I, I guess I haven't even really said what kind of game it is, but it's kind of... At least other Uchikoshi games have been like visual novels with adventure elements. So, so yeah, I uh, I'm sad that I didn't get to crack that open last year. I still want to crack it open this year. Yeah, same. Nice. I you know, even though I'm definitely like out of the three of us, the least sold on the Zero Escape franchise. There's <laughs> enough stuff about those games that I think is really cool that I'm really looking forward to seeing kind of what they've done next you know like i think that yeah i think that i the somnium files has the chance to be a very very cool experience and when you guys play it like you know i'll i'll definitely be uh watching over your shoulder and kind of seeing what it's like nice amy you, you pumped to try out i the somnium files i am um i like uchikoshi a lot uh i'm gonna flex on y'all because i'm facebook <laughs> friends with him <laughs> That's right, she is. <laughs> and and Kodaka. Um Oh yeah. <laughs> but uh Uchikoshi's just very um passionate about the games he makes and uh Nine Nine is actually my favorite video game, I think. Wow. I would say. Um Like I ever? Just... Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I yeah. uh you know, my first experience playing nine 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 was <laughs> Daniel. I'm sorry. I'm I'm just remembering that we did a play this episode where Sean pretty much just shit on it for two hours. <laughs> I had nice stuff to say about it, but I did shit on it a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, playing playing nine 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 uh on my 3ds for the first time is something I wish I could do over again. Just experience that game again for the first time. Yeah. Um, because I just really loved it. So, uh, seeing Uchikoshi kind of work on a different game that still has similar elements to 999, because it's just Uchikoshi's style, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. intrigues me, and I really like, uh, some of the character designs in this game. Uh, I have a weakness for, uh, pink-haired girls, um and apparently uchikoshi does too uh because they are also in 999 
and uh, the Somnium Files. So I'm I'm kind of excited to see kind of where his um, mind bending logical uh, stuff comes into play. Sure. Yeah. I like like I'm slightly I'm very slightly worried and apprehensive because like I think the nine nine I think the Zero Escape franchise like is very good at like like they're very cool, very grounded games. Well they, they do some wacky stuff, mm-hmm. but like but as far as Japanese made games, they, they don't have a lot of Japanese nonsense in them. Like, you know, and by Japanese nonsense I mean kinda like gross stuff and like unnecessary fan service and like you know mm-hmm. um that kind of thing so i kind of attributed that as a trait to Kotaro ushikoshi uh just the kind of games he make are you know are, are a bit like a, a bit less uncomfortable uh the game that Kotaro ushikoshi made before he made i the somnium files <laughs> is called punchline and the synopsis says something like a teenage boy travels back in time to look at some panties and uh yeah i um so i can't really say that ushikoshi is better than that kind of storytelling so i i hope i i, I just hope i is is more 999 than it is punchline sure. i have a feeling i have a strong feeling that it is but yeah just i i can't really take that as a guarantee anymore so just fingers crossed that's fair she's just super cute with her little pink hair and her little <laughs> little cat headphones so i'm just... her her, des- her design is excellent so i hope nothing terrible happens to i her. guess uh we'll update uh you all next year <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah uh all right Amy Lee, last special category award of the day of the of this of what this is, what what is the best twenty nineteen game you didn't play? It is an action adventure game by Pixel Opus called Concrete Genie. Yeah. Um, when I first saw the trailer for this, I immediately wanted to play it because it just seemed very up my alley. Sure. Um, it's about this boy who gets bullied and he uses art as an outlet um he kind of like graffitis in a non-illegal inoffensive way uh (laughs) a lot of the neighborhood and um the gameplay seems really interesting uh the gameplay is pretty simple um but that doesn't need to be a negative thing to me. Like, when I play right. games, I'm not necessarily looking for a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very beautiful the way it's stylized. Uh, a lot of the gameplay involves freestyle drawing, and uh, the colors of paint you use um, determines uh, some of the abilities of uh, the monsters that he's drawing. Um, and it kind of deals with themes like bullying and solitude. Um, it's also like a puzzle game too, uh, that you have to solve through the artwork that you make. Um, and that just all seems super cool <laughs> for a video game. Like you get sure. to draw stuff with colors and, uh, you get to also deal with this poor boy who's, uh, g- getting bullied by all these really mean kids. And, uh, it's... 
it's just very pretty. Um, you can also do like, uh, I think you use the um, DualShock's uh, motion control to also do like some of the painting and stuff. Oh, that's uh, cool. Yeah, so like if you wanted to like do like a red monster, um, red would give it like fire powers. Uh, and that just seems really cool. You know, I dig that a lot. <laughs> yeah, game game seems to be like really artistic and like have a lot of heart mm -hmm. to it. Exactly, and that's exactly yeah. the type of game that I really end up loving. Yeah. Also, some real world graffiti is is really cool. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. 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 There's a uh, on my train ride on the way to my job every morning we pass by this like it must be like a 15 20 story building and at the very very top of the building but not like so high up that it would be easy to just like lean over and do it there is a bunch of graffiti and every time i pass by i think that's so cool how did they get up there so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i think i know what you're talking about uh, yeah uh yeah so I, yeah I, I have a real admiration for people who are willing to like kind of sneak into a place where they ought not be and draw on the walls with paint like that's uh that's a very daring and very cool thing to do so a game you know that centers around that art form is also very cool to me y yeah like I, I know it definitely wasn't like amy lee's intent in any way to um to like generalize like all graffiti is like illegal slash offensive oh no yeah. of course not um yeah, because I, I, you know, I know she's not. Stick kind it of to person. the man. <laughs> yeah, we all yeah, know yeah. the kind of person I am. Go <laughs> <So> feral, y'all. <laughs> so I, yeah, I just wanted to make sure that, like, yeah, we that we didn't come off as like generalizing it in that way. Sure. No, um, definitely not. I love art. I love murals and all the yeah. beautiful graffiti that a lot of Chicago artists, in particular, um, do. Yeah. So. And and I think when when Amy and I visited Holland, we actually like wasn't there this part of Holland we went to that was just like, just like this like kind of this, just this area filled with like really cool graffiti walls. Isn't that something we did? I think so. Yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> it, it's it's been a while, but I think that was one of the cooler things I think we did. Just like there was there was just like practically like a chunk of the city that was just like, like kind of like. Like kind of sanctioned, like it was basically like it's like, hey, this this is an area of the city where it's legal to do graffiti, and it's just it was just really beautiful and like filled with art. It was really cool. That's that's really neat that they would they would kind of like allow that. That's really cool. Yeah, I I think I'm not making that up. Amy, <laughs> Amy backed me up, so yeah. That doesn't always mean anything. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Yeah, we we might just both be having the same fever dream. It's a shared um, hallucination. Right. Yeah. But uh but yeah, good man, good pick. Yeah. Like I the Concrete Game was another Concrete Genie was another game that I that I kind of forgot existed over the course of the year just cuz so much high profile stuff was coming out. Uh so I'm really glad you brought that back up. Yeah, I want to actually play it at some point. Me too. I I want to watch you play it. Yeah. Um, okay, so those are all of our special categories for for the Smashing Theory Game of the Year Awards. Congratulations yes, uh, to all of those picks. So now we're going to do uh, our top five 
and uh, our our five and our four should be shorter. Just reminding everyone, including myself. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I think I think for this we'll keep the we'll keep the order more static, so it's less all over the place. Mm-hmm. So we'll do uh, Sean, Amy Lee, and myself in that order for for five then four then three then two then one. Okay, and that'll be it'll be easier to timestamp that way. So Sean. Give us your number five pick, your fifth best game of 2019. My number five pick is really sweeping the awards tonight. It's Katana Zero. Um, Nice. The reason that this game is not higher on my list is that it is extremely short. Um, And, you know, it's like $15, so that's fine. But I did, like, buy it at 6 a.m. on the day that it came out, and I had beaten it by 10 a.m. So, like, it's, (laughs) you know, yeah, it's, you can really motor through the game, uh, but, boy, is it a really incredible ride for those four hours. Uh, (laughs) Katana Zero is an action game uh, where you play as a kind of modern samurai in this very kind of... uh, you know, outrun style, uh, you know, modern 80s sort of Blade Runner-esque world. Uh, The central Mm -hmm. conceit is that uh, you have the, a kind of limited means to travel through time. uh, So you can slow down time uh, in order to like deflect bullets back at your attackers or dodge things that are really tricky. And uh, whenever you die, Uh, Instead of kind of getting a game over, you just start over from the beginning of the sort of scene or room that you're in. And it is just a really well-made, kind of tightly designed, extremely satisfying action game. Uh, If you like really kind of twitchy action games where, you know, you die in one hit and you have to be very, very precise and you really have to be able to think on your feet, um, then it's definitely a game that's worth checking out. As I said, you know, I followed the development for a number of years, and so I was very excited when it came out, and it definitely did not disappoint. It is a fantastic little game, but it is very little, and that's why it's my number five. Nice. Fair. fair. Good pick. Uh, Worth noting, um, we have have kind of a spreadsheet, uh, the three of us, that we're sharing that we're putting all of our picks into. Um, so on this outline, we kind of knew what each other's special category picks were going to be ahead of time. Right. So there wouldn't be too much overlap. Uh, each of our top fives is not known to each other. I don't know Sean's top five. Amy Lee doesn't know my top five and I don't, uh, and Sean doesn't know Amy Lee's top five and any combination of those. <laughs> um, yeah. So the, these uh, hearing these picks will be surprises to everyone present. Also, I should probably talk now maybe about the scoring. Uh once we've uh once we've each revealed our top five, uh our number five picks will each get one point, our number four picks will each get two points, our three picks will get three points, our two picks will get four points, and our number one picks will each get five points. And then we'll add those all together and whichever gets the most points is the is the smashing theory best game of 2019 okay um so uh so katana zeros got one point um and i think that's all it's gonna get i but I, th- we'll I think see. that's worse i think that's worse maxing out but yeah um you know trying to that's the deal amy lee your number five best game of 2019 uh my number five best game of 2019 
was almost my biggest disappointment. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it is Kingdom Hearts 3. Nice. While I did have... Hey, um... Hey, Amy? Yeah? Uh... Kingdom Hearts 3 is my number five pick of 2019. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, so let's let's both talk about it. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so you yeah, you go on. That's, go that's on. really funny. Um <laughs> It's my number five because while I do have issues with it, uh goddamn I waited like fifty years for this game. <laughs> uh, it was really beautiful. Um, I actually got to watch some people play the demo at uh, uh, Day of the Devs. Right, uh, yeah. We we went to Day of the Devs in, in late 2018, and uh, while we were waiting in line to play Ooblets, like the game playing, being played next to Ooblets was Kingdom right. Hearts 3. And Ooblets had like a 30-minute line, but Kingdom Hearts 3 had a two-hour line. <laughs> so really, like, just by waiting in line for Ooblets, we got more Kingdom Hearts 3 time than we would have if we waited in the Kingdom Hearts 3 line. Yeah, I actually was almost one of the first people to play the demo, because uh, me and Daniel got VIP, so we got in an hour earlier. Right. Um, right. And I almost stood in line for Kingdom Hearts 3, but decided against it. Uh, because I wanted to experience uh, playing the game for the first time when we actually had the game. Uh, I was content yeah. just watching people play the demo. Um, yeah. But essentially what it comes down to for me is, uh, A, I did have a lot of fun experiencing Kingdom Hearts 3 when me and Daniel were playing through it. Uh, because yeah. me and Daniel did play through it together. Um, we kind of took turns uh, playing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we each got we both got dibs on certain worlds. Like I got dibs on Toy Story, but Amy got dibs on Frozen. Right. Yeah, and we kind of just went that way, kind of. Yeah. So, um, each of us picked worlds that we wanted to play, uh, and then did those. It's my number five and not higher up because I think the ending was rushed. Uh, we yeah. are missing a lot of context on it. Um, I'm, I'm, yeah, and we we should say that we've played Kingdom Hearts Remind, but Kingdom Hearts Remind cannot be factored into our decision here because it came out in 2020. Yes. Right. This is based yes. solely off of Kingdom Hearts 3 by itself and not the DLC. So when yeah. we were playing it, the ending felt rushed to me. It didn't explain a lot of things. We didn't have context for a lot of stuff that was happening in the um, credits and the ending and the, the epilogue. Uh, that really yeah. bothered me because why would you go like <laughs> 13 years, <laughs> you right. know, yeah. like trying to make this game and that still wasn't enough time, you know? So that was, mm-hmm. that was frustrating to me because I've been a Kingdom Hearts fan uh, since day one. Like I remember being very little and my sister buying Kingdom Hearts one um, and coming home and playing it. And I just fell in love with the story. Uh, so gameplay was fun. Being able to experience it with Daniel was a lot of fun. It was yeah. absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, yeah, G- great looking game actually. Yeah, like graphically, really impressive. Um, Frozen was the world I was most excited for, and <laughs> uh, that was the worst world uh, I dare say <laughs> in any Kingdom Hearts game. Um, it's and. That it's, really, it's up there. That really hurt my feelings. <laughs> I, 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 
I I think like I think proportionally in terms of what that world could have been and what it was instead, mm-hmm. I think there's the biggest gap there. Sure. You know. Yeah. Um, I just I really yeah. love Frozen. I know it's very overrated, but I got to experience that movie uh, before that kind of entered the mainstream and became overrated. So it means mm-hmm. a lot to me. And then uh, we're going up the same mountain three times. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Uh, that's why it's not higher for me. Also, just like that ice labyrinth just felt really unnecessary. Yeah, yeah. I just, I feel like Kingdom Hearts 3 could have been so much more, and it wasn't. Yeah, and and I think think those critiques are very fair. Like, I I think the, I think they didn't really stick the landing on the end game and on, like, a lot of the story. Um, But it is my it's still in my top five and not just not on the list at all because i think it's still like just a really fun and good video game you know like uh like it just had some of the most it had really the most satisfying action rpg gameplay that i experienced that year you know Mm -hmm. uh just getting to swap between keyblades on the fly and like the keyblades would transform and like turn into different like cooler weapons and you'd have all these cool finishing moves and you'd have these team attacks with buzz and woody (laughs) and like uh just like it was a really satisfying video game to play uh even when the even when the narrative of it didn't make much sense or is very frustrating uh yeah you know i've actually um the the remind dlc coming out kind of it's inspired me to pick up my own playthrough of that game again and i've been doing just in little bits and pieces my proud mode run of kingdom hearts 3 lately and i have to say that like even if i'm like watching a cutscene and you know so and so the mysterious person in a robe is giving some long-winded speech about some bullshit that i don't care about like in between those moments when I'm playing the game, it just feels great. Like, it feels like a really yeah. good action game, you know, action RPG. And I, I gotta give it props for that. Yeah, and also, like, the... For the most part, the Disney stuff really delivered for mm-hmm. me. Like, I, I know a lot of people, like, express some disappointment with the deliver, uh, with the Disney stuff. And I, I think if they're talking in terms of, like how much the Disney stuff mattered to the story overall. I think that's very mm-hmm. fair, but like, but just getting to be in the toy story world <laughs> and like, and this, you know, this man in a, in a black robe is like, it's like, you can't have faith in your heart. And, and then, and then like Sora, like gets like, gets really tense. And then just Woody gently places his hand on Sora's sh- sh- <laughs> shoulder. And is like, I got this partner. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I just there's no other video game where I can experience <laughs> right, that, right, you know, yeah. like, and God, like, I really love the Tangled World and like just, just like there's several just like sequences where like, uh, you show Rapunzel what like a waterfall is for the first time <laughs> and Pirates of the Caribbean just like went from being one of the worst worlds in Kingdom Hearts to being one of the best yeah. worlds with like, like just the open world gameplay of that was actually so good like i like kingdom hearts 3 is a mess but it has so many like really great positive video game memories mm-hmm. for me in 2019 that i i had to put it somewhere so here it is the number five okay yeah uh yeah and and you you 
you're pretty much the same boat, Amy. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, I think there were a lot of good worlds um, in this game. Uh, even yeah. though Big Hero 6 um, didn't have anything like super spectacular, it was still fun to like yeah, run up yeah. sideways the buildings and jump around <laughs> and uh that kind of thing so yeah yeah i think the main problem with big hero 6 is that like it had a good open world but it was overshadowed by how much better pirates of the caribbean's <laughs> open world was <laughs> but yeah go go on unless you're unless that was kind of it now that was kind of it you know like i said it, it would have been higher but i think my expectations um did not meet what the the game was. That's that's fair. <laughs> I think to be fair to Kingdom Hearts, it's it's hard for it would have been very hard for that game to meet s- certain expectations, even if it was spectacular. Sure. Uh, but I I think it could have gotten closer to meeting those expectations. Um, I think that's fair to say for sure. Yeah. Okay, cool. Sean, your number four, top five. Your, what f- number four? What's your number four? My number four. Oh wait, wait. Sorry, one one thing. Sorry, I just I just realized that Kingdom Hearts three is probably not on your top five list, right, Sean? No. So Kingdom Hearts three tops out at two points <laughs> for twenty nineteen. Okay, sorry. Go, uh, go on. Top four. Uh, my number four is a bit of a tricky one, but it's a tricky one that has Daniel's approval. Uh, and that is Trials of Mana. Uh, yeah, nice, yeah. nice, nice. This is a, obviously quite an old game, but it's technically come out in the States for the first time in 2019 uh, as part of the collection of Mana. It got its first official yeah. English translation. Uh, so this puts me in kind of an interesting position because even though I'm putting this as one of my top five games of the year in 2019... I've been playing it since I was 14 or 15 years old, uh, but I was just playing like an unofficially translated version with one of my friends. This is such an interesting game because there are some ways, you know, particularly now, in which it feels quite dated, and yet there are other ways in which it feels really fresh. Uh, (laughs) So Trials of Mana is part of the Secret of Mana series, um... You are able to choose from one of several kind of protagonists, and then you can choose two of the other two choices to be your party members. And it is essentially kind of an action RPG beat-em-up hybrid. Uh, Like, the combat system kind of involves you having, like, standard attacks and then special attacks that you build up over time just by, like, punching things or swinging your sword or whatever. Uh, and then on top of that, there's also magic spells that you can cast. You can kind of upgrade into new classes that give you new moves. And so, you know, on the one hand, you have these kind of trite and cliched stories that you're going through. And uh, there are kind of some bugs in the game that make stats not work the way that they're supposed to. And it's very <laughs> like kind of like going from one town to another town and doing this and that. And yet... Like, when you're kind of mixing it up and just, like, punching rabbits in the face and, you know, uh, like, a, and fighting off wolfmen and doing all this other stuff, uh, 
it can it really feels like a kind of gameplay experience that you can't have if you're playing any other game including game other games in the mana franchise like it's just such this it's this weird little breath of fresh air that only exists in and of itself and i just think that it's such a cool little game that if you're thinking about picking up the trials of mana because you have like a lot of nostalgia for Secret of Mana or something, absolutely try out Trials of Mana 2. I don't think that you'll regret giving it a shot. So that's my number four. Very cool. I think it's very funny that there's a distinct possibility that Trials of Mana will also be on your top five in 2020, <laughs> but it'll be a completely different that's, game. Well, yeah, that's true. That depends on how much I like the, uh, the, the Yeah, that depends on how good... Yeah. How good that remake mm. is. I feel like I feel like the fact that it's single player only might kill it a bit for you. That's not my favorite thing that I've found out about it since it was yeah. announced. That is true. But uh Yeah. Yeah, that's that incidentally is another cool thing about this version of Trials of Mana is that it has multiplayer. Like how many yeah. how many action RPGs can you say have co op multiplayer like like couch style, you know? Uh, not that yeah. many, so you know, just not not Kingdom Hearts, <laughs> right? That's true. <laughs> Can you imagine? Like, I could play as Donald and not cure you. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, my my number four is Trials of Mana. Uh, so probably two points to that because I doubt anybody else has it on their list. Yeah, I think that's a fair assumption. <laughs> but yeah, good good pick. And yeah, like. Uh, like I, I know that there's at least one on on my list where its eligibility is is slightly dubious, but I went for it, so I think Trials of Mana is just cool. fine. Yeah, Amy Lee, your number four game of 2019. Uh, my number four game, I doubt anybody else has on their list, is Beat Saber. Oh shit! Did that come out in 2019? It did, May wow. of 2019. Oh wow, good pick. I forgot that it came out in 2019. Yeah. It feels like it feels like it's existed forever yeah, it really in does. some ways, you know? Yeah. Yeah, go yeah, go go well, on. Wait, now I'm, I'm doubting that because No, yeah, it oh, came right. out in the middle of May was... 2019. Oh, May right. 21st. But... Wait, when was K's wedding? Oh, because it was oh, early follow... access in yeah, prior it was, to that. Yeah, it was early access. But wait, that's so weird. Didn't we play it on PS4? Yeah, because at K's? VR. And her wedding was in April? I'm double checking. Oh. Yeah, it, it was released on PS4 on November 20th, 2018. Um, uh, But it also seemed to be kind of like the early version of the yeah, game. Yeah, like the official release yeah. was definitely in May of 19. Yeah, yes, yeah. Uh yeah, it looks like the PS4 release in in early 2018 was still also uh it still also counted as an early access release. Okay, good. Uh so yeah, this even though this means that you did play the early access version of the game, I think this still this still okay. counts. Yeah, I mean, we just established yeah. that I have been playing Trials of Mana for 15 <laughs> years. So, yeah. you, you can get away with this. This yeah. is fine. Yeah. This is this is fine. Yeah, Beat Saber. Beat Saber. And and yeah, like it it's it's eligible because it's out of early access this in 2019. Right. So so do it. Go on. Sweet. So Beat Saber is 
super fucking cool. So uh, yeah. <laughs> I played it on um, VR. As I've previously mentioned, um, music is super important to me. Rhythm games are amongst some of my favorite. I think it's a really cool um, untapped genre for the most part. And playing Beat Saber is an experience. Like, <laughs> if you don't already know, you kind of have these like lightsaber things that you use to break blocks, but you have to hit it in the direction that the block has the arrow on. Right. So if it's like an arrow facing left, you have to um, slice it horizontally to the left in order yeah. for that to count. Mm -hmm. And while the song selection um, used to be pretty limited, uh, they keep adding um, certain packs so uh, last year they ended up releasing a Panic at the Disco pack, uh, which I think is super duper cool. And <laughs> um, they have stuff like the Crab Rave and uh, <laughs> Pop Stars from KDA, the the League mm -hmm. um, oh, K-pop yeah, song, that's right. which is yeah, my yeah. personal jam. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you can increase the difficulty. But, like, it's such a fun game to get into where you're not only uh, getting into the music, but you're also kind of getting a workout <laughs> while you're doing it. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah. And there's, like, certain uh, parts of the song where you have to duck so you don't hit a wall. And you, you kind of have to be really active as you're doing it because you're you're slicing up, down, left, right, horizontally. You have to move to the left if a wall on your right comes by. You have to duck. You have to like squat. Uh, uh -huh. It's just a lot of fun to play. Like very visually pleasing. A lot of fun to to get into musically and physically. Uh, I I'm not super big on VR, um, but this is one of my biggest exceptions. Nice. Yeah. Like I I think this is a one of the biggest like selling points for VR like existing mm -hmm. like t to date. And B, I also think this is just one of the most clever rhythm games that exists. You know, it's such a, like, it's a genius take on, on rhythm games. Just, like, you actually literally, like, moving your body to the music and, like, like, you know, when, when I saw, like, you know, a gameplay of it, I'm like, oh, that's, that's cool, that's neat, yeah, mm -hmm. whatever. But then when, uh, when we played it, when Amy Lee and I played it at her friend's place, uh, like, it really clicked, like, so fast it's like oh this <laughs> this is satisfying wow this is a good experience yeah i feel kind of bad for ps4 players because like pc players just get to mod the fuck mm -hmm. out of it and just like yeah. and just like beat saber like to fucking megalomania <laughs> like uh and and you know like ps4 players can't legally do that unfortunately mm -hmm. but yeah, I I think whatever like we still played it on PS4 and that was still a great experience for us. Yeah. Like I, you know, I still don't quite think that VR is like ready for prime time. Like I'm not getting a VR headset anytime soon. Yeah. But you know, one thing that I've really appreciated about the emergence of VR as a viable platform for game creation is just seeing all these people kind of coming up with ideas for VR, you know, for the very first time, like, what am I going to do with this game or that game? 
and you've seen so much interesting stuff emerge into the VR sphere. And I think that Beat Saber is just, that's like the foremost example that comes to mind. Like, what a great way to take, you know, this experience that you can only have in the VR platform uh, and yeah. just make it really fantastic. Like, you couldn't have made yeah. Beat Saber an engaging or interesting experience to play with a controller. Like, so much of it is just <laughs> the kind of kinetic aspect of swinging the swords around and hitting the blocks. And that's just, you know, that's really primo game design thinking. Like, I think that is so cool. Uh, so I, I definitely really respect is. your inclusion of this on your top five. Yeah, Amy, great pick. Yeah, I had a um, lot of fun with it. Yeah, like, and that's a good point, Sean, because I think in a lot of ways Beat Saber feels like a tech demo or a proof of mm -hmm. concept more than it does like than a more than it does a complete sure. game. But it's it's such the core of it is so good that like <laughs> that that doesn't matter, yeah. you know. Like it's it's such a satisfying experience on its own. Yeah. Uh, your your pick, Amy Lee. So any last words on it? Uh, I have actually considered buying VR purely based off of the fun I had with Beat Saber. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I wouldn't blame you. I I think we'd get our money's worth oh, out of it. Oh, I for sure would just be playing uh, Pop Stars every day. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. Okay, cool. My number four uh, game of 2019 is Pokemon Sword and Shield. Ooh. Yeah, we've we've talked about it on the pod before, mm -hmm. um, on multiple pods at this point, because <laughs> uh, we I think we brought it up in Beep Boop Soup, yeah, uh, yeah. on pa pa Patreon dot com slash Beep Boop Group, the latest episode. But yeah, I I think Pokemon Sword is just a good Pokemon game. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's the the new Pokemon are great. Uh, I think the setting is really excellent. I think Galar is a really well made world. Um, and it's a lot of fun to explore and do things in. Um, I think uh, I think the characters are great. Uh, Sonia is is an excellent design. Um, Hop is a very good and underrated boy. Um, all, I, I love I love all the rivals actually. Like like Marnie and Beat are both are also excellent rivals. Um, and I've already. I've already kind of touched on how good the soundtrack is. Um, just, like, some fucking... Some of the, like, best, like, bangers in Pokemon, I feel like. You know, just some... Some just, like, primo tracks. Sure. Absolutely. And, uh... And, yeah, I... Uh... You know, I think Gigantamaxing as a mechanic is fine, but it... Uh, it's also, like, created some pretty fun Pokemon designs, I think. And... Um... And and the the story was fine. The story was there. It was it was a nice excuse to to traverse Galar and uh, and I I think wild areas are a really cool concept that I'm uh, that I'm excited to see get expanded in the expansion packs. Um, but uh, but obviously the you know the the future. Is is not factored into my judgment of Sword right. and Shield, uh, for the purposes of this. Um, but yeah, I still think it's it's number four, easy. It's 
it's it's a good time. It was it was nice to play Pokemon this year. Cool. Yeah. Better than it was to play Pokemon last year. <laughs> yeah. Ain't that the truth? Yeah. Uh, I feel like Amy's not saying much about it because maybe she'll say some stuff about it later. Uh, nope. No? No. Ooh. Spicy. Is Pokemon Shield is Pokemon Shield not on your it's top not. five? Whoa. Yeah. Uh, wow. I haven't finished it. Um, I think it's fun. I don't know how much I like it as a Pokemon game. I I guess that's fair. Wow. Dang. I know. Yeah. This is the exact tone of voice that I would imagine you using if Amy Lee did a really impressive card trick. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you vanished the Ace of Diamonds. <laughs> I guess that's fair. That is my card. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> Jeez. Wow, you really pulled pulled that out. Oh, of, okay. Of your... <laughs> Of your sleeve, because it's a card. Anyway, uh, wow, yeah, I guess, do you, do you have more to say about Pokemon Sword and Shield? Because I guess this is all we're going to talk about. Um, I, like I said, I do have fun with it. I think this is, um, this is going to sound really funny, but compared to other Pokemon games I've played, like Diamond, Soul Silver, Omega Ruby, uh, Let's Go Eevee, you know, I I feel like this is harder than the other ones that I've played. Um, yes, and I don't like uh, that, especially the especially the ones you listed. Yeah, although um, I think Pokemon Sun and Moon were also like surprisingly challenging. Really? Um, I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> oh come on, that fucking Mantis! The Mantis was we fun. we both had a hard time. Uh, yeah, it was fun, but we we had a hard time with that mantis. I mean, you had a hard time with the mantis. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. I guess I'm a fucking scrub in Pokemon Sun, but I but I fucking killed it in Pokemon Sword. I apparently, guess. yeah. I don't know. I, I yeah I yeah I I, th- I thought Pokemon Sword was challenging but still satisfying. Um, <laughs> the uh, catching Pokemon definitely felt a bit more unforgiving than usual. Especially looking at your file of that game. <laughs> that was terrible. Um, yeah. Like I said, I did have fun with it. Uh, I think it, it was kind of Kingdom Hearts 3 thing where I expected more from it. Um, I think okay. camping is kind of cute. Uh, I like yeah. some of the newer Pokemon designs. I like some of the... Al- uh, I almost said Alolan. Galarian. <laughs> I... I, I messed that up so much on an episode, so it's <laughs> um, I really like Bead's theme. I love some of the, the character oh. designs, like Marnie's, Melanie's. Uh, shout out yeah. to Melanie. I oh. love uh, when... <laughs> I love my women thick, so when <laughs> they get representation, it makes me really happy. Uh, Opal's yeah. design is just so good. Um but I do hate exclusive, like type exclusive and game exclusive shit. I, I hate that. I think it's yeah. so stupid as a mechanic. 
Um, there's a lot of disappointing stuff about Sword and Shield, and because I haven't experienced all of it, I don't think I can necessarily form uh, a well-rounded opinion. I guess that's fair. Um, there, there are there's at least one game in my top five that I have not beaten. Oh. So, um, but I've 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 definitely played enough of it to form an opinion. Um, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm naughty today. <laughs> I know. Uh, <laughs> also, I uh, used to realize I I should have uh, for the special categories made a hottest mom of 2019. So Melanie could <laughs> could, win, <laughs> could win the award. Yeah, she would have won. Yeah, <laughs> just Melanie sweeps hottest mom of 2019. <laughs> She's well deserved. <laughs> uh, cool. All right. So, Sean, what uh, we're in the top three. I don't think we really truncated those five and four picks. Um, but uh, but at least I don't feel like. Well, I'm not gonna fucking jinx it. Let's just do our top three, Sean. Uh, what's what's your number three pick? My number three pick is Fire Emblem Three Houses. Ooh, fitting. Ooh. Yes. Oh, three oh. houses. Ah, uh, yes. Anyway, go, go on, Sean. Yeah, I, uh, I'm a big Fire Emblem fan. I have been since they first started getting localized in the West. Uh, I just really enjoyed that series for many reasons, and... What I appreciate about Fire Emblem Three Houses is that it still has a lot of the things about Fire Emblem that I enjoy in it, and then it just adds even more things for me to enjoy on top of that. Like, we still have (laughs) the kind of social link-style relationships that your characters can develop between each other as they fight together. Uh, We still Mm -hmm. have the, at times, crushing difficulty and the permadeath if you want it. Uh, enabled for your playthrough. Uh, yeah, I kind of regret picking permadeath because it feels like <laughs> such an afterthought at this point. But anyway, well, go on. it it just it's one of those things where it wouldn't feel right to me to play a Fire Emblem game without it. I mean, it would be it would I feel be like uh, playing Connect Four, but you only connect three. You know, it's like just to me, <laughs> it's an essential part of the experience. Um, but I but I'm glad sure. that it's an option so that it's you know there's a level of accessibility there. I appreciate that. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, but, you know, anyway, uh, to not put too fine a point on it, it, all the stuff that I love about Fire Emblem is still there. And then on top of that, they have this great Hogwarts-ass three houses thing going on, <laughs> uh, where you have the opportunity to uh, choose one of three different schoolhouses to instruct, uh, and then you can kind of snipe kids from other houses and have them join your house instead uh you get to dine with your students you get to do various activities with them uh the the bonds they develop as classmates kind of help them during wartime and it's just all together this really really kind of satisfying distinctly fire emblemy package uh with enough broad appeal that I think that even if you're not necessarily into strategy RPGs, you might still like this game if, for instance, you enjoy standard RPGs or even like visual novels, if you like those. Um, if you just kind of generally like games that have an anime aesthetic and fun relationships between their characters. Like, there's so much to like here that I struggle to think of like 
friends, family, people that I know that I wouldn't recommend this game to, even though Fire Emblem kind of started off as this distinctly niche kind of, you know, punishingly difficult uh, strategy RPG franchise. Uh, I think that the one, the thing that prevented it from climbing higher in the list for me is that they kind of added in this system where you can increase your students' fondness for you by giving them gifts or returning lost items to them. <laughs> and if you are kind of just trying to do it blind, it almost feels like a guessing game. Like, sometimes it'll be really apparent who I need to give this item to, and then sometimes it just feels completely random or even out of character. Uh, and then on the other hand, if you, you know, kind of open up like a guide or something and try to do it perfectly, it just becomes this chore. And so there's just no way that it ultimately winds up being a satisfying game mechanic, no matter which way you approach it. Um, <laughs> I I just imagine like, like Sean being like playing through three houses, like, oh man, this might be my favorite game of the year. Oh, hey, Hanneman, is this your book? And Hanneman swaps the book out of his hand. He's like, no, you idiot. That's not my book. And Sean's like, third place. Uh, you know, and I mean, also, of course, my, my two and my one, I just, I think they're fantastic, absolutely incredible games. Um, but cool. uh, yeah, Fire Emblem Three Houses is. A, it's it's just a really great experience, and uh, you know, it being my number three is it's it's well deserved. I think that it was certainly one of my favorite gameplay experiences of last year. And if you haven't played it, I encourage you to give it a try. Yeah, uh, good good pick. Um, Fire Emblem Three Houses is a game that I feel like I have not played enough of to put in sure. my ranking. But I also I also acknowledge that it's a really excellent video game, and I think. I think uh, putting it in third place is uh, a really good place to put it. One thing I thought of while you were talking about it, and while you were talking about how like how Hogwarts, uh, how uh, Hogwarts, the fact that like the three houses is like, I started thinking about that, and I'm like, yeah, but like, but like you know, with Hogwarts, like you can kind of take your friends and sort them into Hogwarts houses, you know, like, like it's, it's clear, like which of your friends is a Gryffindor and which is a Hufflepuff. Can you really do that with three houses? And as I thought that I realized immediately, which houses we would be in, <laughs> right? Like, like Amy Lee is like easily a black oh, yeah. Eagle. Sean, you're easily a blue lion and I'm easily a golden deer. <laughs> right, right. Like it's, it, it like the, that decision once I thought about making it could not have been easier to make. So yeah, good, good point. Good analogy. <laughs> Amy, what's your third favorite game of, uh, of 2019? Uh, this may come as a shock to both of you. Hmm. Um, oh, I'm being clickbaited. <laughs> Number three will shock you. You won't believe <laughs> Amy's third game of 2019. <laughs> What is it? Uh, it is actually Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Ah. Oh, hey. I'm a little surprised to see it here. Yeah, yeah. you love to cool. see it. Cool. I do love um, to see it. I put it as number three because I think it's better than Beat Saber in Kingdom Hearts 3. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, fair enough. I think a lot of what... Sakurai has expanded upon makes it a truly excellent game. 
Yeah. All, obviously, everybody listening knows, like, <laughs> everything <laughs> at this point. Um, right. And I will say that uh, I've been I've been a casual enjoyer of Smash Bros. Like, uh, I, I grew up playing it with my siblings. Uh, we would play it when uh, I would have friends over. Uh, it was always kind of like a party game that I really, really loved. Um, and and being able to bond with with friends and family over it was, you know, really nice and holds a a soft uh, place in my heart. So um, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate having all these new things, having these awesome new characters, just kind of really making it better was really cool to see how it's evolved over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It was hard for me when I first started playing it um, in the little map mode. Yeah, World of Light. Oh, World that of Light. That shit was hard yeah. as hell for me. I was not having a good time. <laughs> Um, it was really hard, and I would complain about the computers a lot because I wouldn't be able to beat them, and it sucked. <laughs> also, you you were playing it a lot, like during that first yeah. week when the game came out, when like the computer was just like punishingly hard. Yeah, that was before later. they they patched that. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> but you know, like that part of the game was always optional. You know. They they didn't make right. that necessary. Um, I think the addition of the uh, board is really cool, mm-hmm. where you can just get the spirits and the spirit board. Oh yeah, yeah. Spirit spirit board. I like fun. the spirit yeah. board a lot because uh, you know it has a lot of characters that didn't make it into the game as fighters. Uh, so having them as spirits is cool because I can just equip Nia from Xenoblade 2 uh, because I can't play as her, which makes me sad, but I can still have her in the game uh, and have her figuratively help me. Um, But I think mechanically it's a good game. Uh, You know, where else are you going to uh, play Isabelle fighting Dr. Mario? You know, with a mix of... (laughs) regular mario right. <laughs> he's a completely different person oh god uh, yeah, yeah I, <laughs> I don't actually think that i just wanted to listen to beep boop soup on patreon.com slash beep boop group for more dr yes mario for the discourse. worst dr mario discourse that has ever happened it's pretty bad <laughs> uh <laughs> but like I don't know. It's just a very fun concept. Um, so many things that they've expanded upon and kind of worked on to make this truly an ultimate game um, is really fun. I play it often with my brother and my internet friends, and uh, I'm a sore loser, but it's still fun to play with them. Um, just a lot of really cool stuff about it. Yeah. Obviously, we, we agree. I think I speak for Daniel when I say that we agree. <laughs> Because that's yeah. what this podcast is. <laughs> <laughs> Who Who's your main and ultimate right now, Amy? I don't think I actually know the answer to um, that. My, I don't really have a, um individual main. I flip-flop a lot between Sheik, because Sheik was my OG main. Uh, 
back nice. when Sheik and Very Zelda nice. were one character. Um, right. So I, I switch a lot between Sheik, Samus, and Zero Suit Samus. Uh, Isabel. Nice. nice. Uh, Squid Kid. Inkling? <laughs> yes. I, I call them Squid Kids. That's um, That's fair. And I feel like I'm forgetting somebody. Is it Cloud? Oh yeah, Cloud. Um, C- Cloud's easy. Cloud's OP. So like, as somebody <laughs> who's a casual player, I love playing as Cloud. Um, I've been playing more Joker recently. Ooh, nice. Nice. Um, haven't played Violet yet, and that wouldn't count, anyways. Yes, it would not. Um. Yeah, I just kind of, I always switch between those, so. And sometimes I'll throw in, like, Lucina or something. Nice. Good. Yeah. All right, cool. Good yeah. pick. Yeah. Thanks. It didn't occur to me that it could be in your list. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, my number three game of 2019 is Slay the Spire. Oh. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I, uh... Yep, Slay the Spire is really good. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, like, it's it's so funny because, like, it was in early access for most of 2018, and, like, whenever I saw it, it's like, oh, this this game again, you know? Like, uh, just this roguelike mixed with a card game, but I didn't really love the aesthetic, and it just mm. seemed kind of like, you know, it's like, okay, so this is just, like, the, the indie the indie flavor of the week, you know, like it's like people are really into it, but it's, it's, it's whatever. And then I got to play it on Xbox game pass and I just played it nonstop for weeks because just the, the gameplay loop is incredibly satisfying and incredibly addictive. Mm-hmm. And like, basically like, you know, it's just like you pick one of three character classes and then you go through this tower, you go through this dungeon, um, like, with some limited amount of control, which rooms you get to go into as you, like, climb the tower. And, like, the rooms can have things like monster encounters or, like, or or events that can either help you or harm you or uh, or just, like, shops where you can, like, you know, buy cards and items and stuff. And also, of course, rest stops. Uh, you start with, like, a deck of cards that are basically your characters moves and stuff uh as you climb up the tower and finish like battles and stuff you can kind of add new more powerful cards to your deck each time you get a new card you get to pick from a list of three and and that way you really get to build your deck the way you want and come up like each character class is very distinct from each other but also you can build very unique play styles in each class so like I could have an ironclad uh, who's kind of like a generic like warrior type uh, that's all about just like cards uh, that just like hit real hard. Um, but I could also have a really tanky one that just like loads up on like defensive cards that like counter when he uh, like when the character is attacked. Or I could even have like kind of a weird one where like I I discard cards to buff myself. Um, like, even just this one class can have, like, three different very distinct builds, depending on how you, like, build up your deck. And uh, and each class feels like that. Like, there's just an immense amount of replay value in Slay the Spire. I've, cl- I've climbed the tower, like, like over a hundred times at this point, and each time it has felt different. 
and uh and i think that's kind of a draw of roguelikes in general but mm-hmm. like uh but slay the spire really like takes the best elements of roguelikes and it also takes the best elements of like of of card games for me and <laughs> and kind of combines them into just like just both a really standalone experience and uh like you know something that i can just kind of like okay i'm gonna do a slay the spire run for 20 minutes and then when i die i can go eat breakfast you know uh <laughs> and and at the same time uh it it just is a really great like full package too like basically like each time you you complete a run each time you actually get to the top like uh there's a feeling of progress like you uh like each run kind of contributes to your to your progress in the game overall uh because there's kind of like there's different things you can do to feel like you progressed overall and uh and like your characters will level up and unlock new cards that you can experience in new runs once you've like once you've built up enough levels and yeah it's just the kind of game that encourages you to play it over and over and over and it's fun each time usually i get tired of shit like that it just starts feeling repetitive and i dip out um but like i i actually did a couple runs of slay the spire earlier today and I, I still had a good time, even though I died really early both times. <laughs> uh, Slay the Spire is definitely among the games that I enjoy watching you play the most. Because nice. of just the level of kind of strategic decision making that you have to do. And the, you know, the way that you're able to kind of build and customize your deck and how different your playthrough is based on the kind, the sort of class that you choose and the cards that you wind up picking up. It truly feels like, you know, even though, and this is true of all roguelikes, there's kind of like a skeleton that's keeping it all together. Yeah. Uh, I think that every uh, playthrough feels fresh in its own interesting way. Uh, yes. And so... I I completely respect Splay, Slay the Spire being your number three pick. I think that's a great pick. Nice. Yeah. Uh, actually, I only played Slay the Spire once today, but it was still a good time. I died real early. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Amy, you've, you've seen me do some Spire runs. What do you think about it? You have. I was actually going to say that uh, I was there for you playing um, a good amount of it. Yeah. And uh, although it's not my cup of tea, I saw how much fun you were having with it and how <laughs> often you were playing it. Yeah. Uh, you were having a real good time. <laughs> I Man, I was. It really was my jam. I wasn't expecting it to be as much my jam as it was. Yeah, same. Uh, but <laughs> it really was your jam. Also, side note, Xbox Game Pass is the best Xbox Game Pass of 2019. <laughs> um, I like I got to play so many games this year that I would not have gotten to play because my my funds were just rough in 2019. Sure. I you know did uh a lot of times I could not spend money last year and uh and Xbox Game Pass just had my fucking back. It's like what you want to <laughs> you want to play Untitled Goose Game? Here you go, Hong Kong. And <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "Thank you. I did not have $15." <laughs> <laughs> um so uh just 
I I don't know if I'd be able to fully put together this list if it wasn't for Xbox Game Pass. Uh, well, I, I probably still could have, but it would have been harder. Sure. So, thank you, Xbox Game Pass. I the the PS5 versus Xbox Series X decision that I'm gonna have to make at the end of this year is going to be harder because Xbox Game Pass exists. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So good good job in 2019, Microsoft. Uh, Sean, what's your number two game? What is your second, your runner-up, your your next best, your good number two? What is it? My number two game is Death Stranding, and oh. I'm so glad that it's my number two because I was worried I would not like this game. <laughs> uh, I am an enormous Hideo Kojima fan. I think that he is one of the greatest and most visionary game designers of all time. I love Metal Gear. Uh, I played every game in that uh, series and enjoyed it. I even played the one that came out for the Game Boy and for like MSX. Uh, just I'm I oh, I love that man and I love the things that he does. And <laughs> there were so many reasons to be concerned about Death Stranding, <laughs> uh, which was his kind of you know his first like kind of independent Kojima Productions game. You know after his uh, unceremonious parting from Konami. Um, like, we just got this kind of weird drip feed of information about it, and you had all these actors that were in it coming out and saying, like, yeah, I did the whole thing, and I still don't understand what the hell this game is about. <laughs> uh, the initial trailers came out, and everyone was like, oh, it's just a walking simulator. And the reviews were... Uh, mostly positive, but even the good ones were quite polarizing. Like, I one of the reviews that I read was like a Kotaku review. Uh, I think Heather Alexandria wrote that review, and she basically said like, "I love this game, but it's very frustrating." And so there, there were all these kind of warning signs, and I was really worried that I was going to go into it. And I was going to try to appreciate it because I like Kojima so much. And I was just going to try to find every kernel of enjoyment that I could in it. And then it was ultimately going to be an unsatisfying experience. And that was not the case. I love <laughs> this game. I love playing it every time I open it up. I played it this morning and this afternoon. Uh, yeah. it is, it's just right up my street. Um, so Death Stranding uh, is... Somewhat difficult to explain, but it's essentially <laughs> a game that takes place in kind of a post-apocalyptic uh, future um, where there, you know, you, you really don't have a lot of the infrastructure that you have in the modern world, like roads and internet and all these kinds of things. Um, and humanity, because of this tragedy that's happened called The Death Stranding, Everybody's kind of gone down into these bunkers and isolated themselves. Uh, but these people still need, like, supplies delivered to them, like just food and, uh, you know, medical supplies and even just, like, trinkets and, and toys and uh, clothes and things like that. Uh, and so there are these groups of people called porters who are essentially just really rugged delivery people. Um who travel across this barren post-apocalyptic landscape and get people their goods. Uh, you play as one such porter named Sam Bridges, and you're kind of recruited by this 
remnant of the United States government to essentially sort of link all of these, you know, disparate, isolated societies together under one banner as you're out doing these deliveries. Uh, Hideo Kojima has said that he thinks that this is kind of a new genre of game and that they don't really (laughs) have a word for what that genre is yet in the same way that he was sort of this forerunner of the stealth genre of game. Uh, a lot of people call it an action game, and there are certain certainly moments of action and high tension in it, but the enjoyment that I really get out of Death Stranding is the sort of the planning and the execution of your plan for how you're going to get to point A and point B. Uh, it is essentially a kind of traveling game. Uh, you know, you'll you will receive a delivery at one point on the map, you will have to take it to another point on the map and you have to consider like, okay, I'm going to have to climb a mountain in order to reach where I need to go. I need to bring uh, ladders. I need to bring climbing ropes. Uh, oh, I'm going to have to pass through this area that has these hostile enemies in it. Should I bring weapons? Should I try to travel light and sneak past them? Oh, there's snow. I need to bring a way to warm myself up. Oh, there's water. I need to make sure that I have the proper gear to ford a deep river. Uh, And I just love the kind of satisfaction, the sort of dopamine hit that you get from (laughs) considering everything that you're going to have to go through to safely transport your goods from one location to another, doing all the planning that you need to do for it, and then just executing that plan, dealing with these contingencies that happen along the way, I just find that very deeply satisfying. I think that there are a lot of people who do not find that kind of gameplay satisfying, and I think that that's fine. I think that Death Stranding is definitely not a game for everyone, but I think that if it is the kind of game that really clicks for you, it's just this new gameplay experience that is like nothing that has ever existed before. And if you enjoy it, you will absolutely love it. Uh, so death stranding is my number two. And uh, I am, and you know, again, I'm, I'm really pleased that I am able to kind of authentically rate it this highly um, because I really have enjoyed the game immensely. Uh, if you don't enjoy it, the president objects shit. <laughs> uh, and the story is uh, nigh incomprehensible and steeped in metaphor on top of metaphor. I'll just throw that in there too. Uh, it's, it's, it's definitely, it's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, a- Amy and I got to watch Sean play like the first, like, uh, like the first, like, five-ish hours of that game. Um and uh and there's a lot about it that's really cool i think mainly mechanically it's very cool and uh and aesthetically it can be very cool uh but yeah that that story yeah the the amount of story that we saw at least is a <laughs> is a hilarious mess and very just just kojima ass mm. stuff oh man <laughs> Like, I, I, th- I think that, you know, the more that I have played through the game, the more I've come to appreciate the setting and the world building and the little stories that get told along the way. Um, but the broader narrative, like, you know, it's it's kind of it's coming together, but that game is slow to start and the story is 
I almost think of it as being like the Final Fantasy 13 problem. Uh, <laughs> because Final Fantasy 13 was this, uh, you know, game where a lot of the game uh, kind of story and world and a lot of these things that were essential to understanding what was going on were essentially explained in this kind of like in-game encyclopedia <laughs> that you had to read. Oh um, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> oh man, that was rough. Yeah, and uh, and similarly with Death Stranding, you get a lot of context on ha- what the world was like before the Death Stranding, what things have been like since, what's going on, uh, through emails that are sent to you by the kind of the cast and the and the people that you help, um, and so while I do kind of enjoy reading them and getting that context, I also just wish that there were like codec conversations instead. And I could listen to them while I was walking. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it's definitely like in this, in the same way that like sometimes like reading a really good book, like a book that's considered like a work of literature, like that can be as much work as it is fun. Like it can be difficult sometimes. Sure. Um, yeah. I, you kind of have to chew on Death Stranding's story and and do and uh, you put forth a little bit of extra effort to get the context that you need to appreciate it. But it Truly. is a weird mess, even including all of that. Truly, Death Stranding is the To Kill a Mockingbird of video games. (laughs) (laughs) It's trying to be. (laughs) It's so weird. Like, I like some of Kojima's stuff, uh, Mm -hmm. but watching Sean play Death Stranding, I'm like, God, this is what happens when you give Kojima free reign over shit. Like, (laughs) yeah, it really is. Yeah. Like it's 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 the George Lucas problem. <laughs> <laughs> I uh I do appreciate Maz Mickelson in it though. Yeah, he's very good. He oh, uh, his, yeah. I'm learning a lot more about his character now at the part of the story where I'm at. I should say I haven't beaten Death Stranding yet because it is an enormous game. I keep playing yeah. it and playing it and then there keeps being more of it. Um but I am finally at a point where I'm learning a lot about Mads Mikkelsen's character and, and what's going on with him. And he's, he's very good and just, it's really great to have him in the game. Cool. Yeah. Like e- even the little I saw of his performance was, was pretty compelling. Yeah. He, he was, he was very intriguing and very neat. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. just Mads for you. <laughs> that's Mads intriguing and neat and refuses to stretch his arms out at auditions. <laughs> Daniel, you have to let that piece of trivia go. I will never let go of the fact that he auditioned. He auditioned for the part of Mr. Fantastic in the Fantastic Four and stormed out of the interview, out of the audition, because they told him to stretch his arms as long as he could. And that was the entire audition. Oh, oh man, it's it's the best thing I know about Matt Mickelson. It's the best thing. <laughs> and the worst thing we know, well, that's not true. There are many bad things about the Fantastic Four movie. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not even going to begin to say that that's the worst thing about it, but it's not a good thing. Oh, so fucking funny. Um, Amy, uh, what's your number two game of 2019? My number two game of 2019 is, uh, happens to be one of the games I anticipated the most, which is Sea of Solitude. 
Whoa! Nice. Wow, cool. I didn't expect it to be up this high. Yeah, I actually yeah. was wondering if it would be on the list. It, um, you know... <laughs> <laughs> I, I am getting very kombucha yeah, I was, vibes from you right now. I was just about to reference that, actually. Um, <laughs> I really enjoyed Sea of Solitude. Um, I think Sea of Solitude had an important message. Uh, you play as this girl, Kay, uh, who looks like a monster. She's kind of, um, like, her skin is a very dark gray. She's got, like, black feathers and and red eyes. And uh, you kind of traverse this city uh, through a boat. And there are times where the city will be full of light. And you can kind of go wherever, and then sometimes the city turns to dark. There's water that you have to tread, and then there's going to be uh, monsters lurking in the water. So you have to be fast, and you have to be careful uh, when you're exploring. And it's obviously dealing with the theme of uh, solitude and loneliness and kind of uh, the monsters that you battle. And I think the first... Uh, 95% of the game is absolutely excellent. Um, the ending, I'm still not sure, uh, where I land on that, but, um, playing through the game was a gorgeous experience. The style's really pretty, the colors that they use, um, some of the city design uh, is interesting, but sometimes it just kind of feels like it's the same thing. However, um, dealing with a game where you play this little monster girl who has to um, encounter different monsters and help them uh, revert back to their initial forms um, is really heartwarming. And the way they do it is kind of uh, a mix between the Persona games and the weird nightmare sequence in Life is Strange <laughs> uh, towards the end. Huh. Like, that's the oh, best way yeah. for me to put it. You kind of experience these bosses as giant monsters, and you kind of walk through flashbacks uh, as Kay has experienced it, um, kind of on the outside looking in. And so... When you come across the first monster, um, is it cool if I get a little specific? Hmm. Um, we, uh, we've been pretty good at avoiding spoilers. Okay, I can so be I vague. I feel like we should, yeah, yeah, be, be vague. So when you come across the first monster, um, you kind of, as you're walking through uh, their palace, so to say, you hear what they dealt with, the remarks that they dealt with, um, yeah, how the people around them kind of ignored them in their pleas for help, and you get to kind of relive that and fight against that in order to protect the monster and kind of try and get them back to their humanity. Um, and each boss is a specific character, 
and they each have like an animal counterpart in their monster form which is really, really cool. And those designs are some of the coolest things in this game. Um, the monster designs are dope. Oh, they're yeah. so cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, Daniel and Sean got to watch me play some of it. Uh, yeah, bits bits and pieces. Yeah. So uh, it's just a really, really cool game that's along the lines of, uh, you know, Persona, Life is Strange, What Remains of Edith Finch, that kind of game where it's kind of very rich in uh, character and narrative. Um, maybe not so much the world around you, although you do kind of encounter different environments and stuff like that. Some of the gameplay is kind of simple and even frustrating um, because you have to kind of swim in the water uh, where one of the giant monsters is lurking around, and they will eat you. <laughs> and then you have to start over. Um, and that's really frustrating. Um, and I think that the way it handles a lot of themes that have to do with mental illness, uh, with depression, bullying, uh, a lot of really heavy stuff, um, it can be really depressing <laughs> uh, at parts um, and really, really heavy, but that's the kind of um, story and, and elements that I'm into when it comes to video games, um, which is kind of funny, but like that gets me emotionally invested. Uh, and it's also like a prevalent theme in my life. So like getting to experience this um, firsthand was really heartwarming and... There's just so many cool things that they do with symbolism and uh, some of the dialogue that, that they choose. Um, it's not my game of the year because uh, <laughs> the last 5% of the game feels a little too cookie cutter slash mm. like a neurotypical solution. Okay. to mental illness and really heavy stuff that people deal with. Um, I personally deal with um, some pretty different mental illnesses. So when I'm watching this story unfold and it really resonates with me and then the ending is something I think that not everyone can apply to that aren't neurotypical um it feels kind of like they they had such a good story going and then they kind of missed the point of everything yeah. um and also <laughs> i think if you're going to have a very emotionally compelling video game um you should either have some top-notch voice acting or no <laughs> voice acting at all and kind of um <laughs> demonstrate that through other means whether it's music or just environmental sounds or uh you know other in-game things um i know that yeah. the the voice of k is actually one of the developers in the game right uh, which is charming in a vacuum um but she doesn't have voice acting experience and um i don't mean this in a mean way but because of her lack of experience, 
when she's delivering some lines that are supposed to be very emotional and and um, heartfelt and impactful emotionally or mentally, it really mm-hmm. takes you out of it when mm-hmm. it's not being delivered correctly. <laughs> so, like, you'll be in the middle of, like, this really intense uh, scene where she's trying to figure something out that happened, and she'll try to be like, uh, you know, she'll be like, no! <laughs> I didn't do that! <laughs> you know, and it's That's like, a pretty good impression of her, actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> but, like, it's just so frustrating because I'm enjoying this game and I'm, I want to get emotionally invested and, you know, I want to kind of, like, uh, lose myself in this, you know, mm-hmm. and then and then yeah. the voice acting just takes me out of it sometimes. Like, I think, um, for the most part, other characters uh, deliver stuff pretty well, and their um, their tone for it and their delivery is really good. But the main character of this game, <laughs> who arguably may do the most talking, mm-hmm. doesn't quite hit the mark, so it's it's hard. You know, like... If you want me to be emotional, you know, like, please make sure that um, that's what you're what you're doing with this character's <laughs> voice, because otherwise I can't take it seriously. And it's such a beautiful game uh, that it's just disappointing. And like I said, like I deal with um, a lot of, you know, mental stuff and uh, mental health stuff, and I'm a very big advocate for it. And I really like uh the message and there's one line that just really really sells exactly what i think the game was going for and then the last chapter happens and i'm like what <laughs> <laughs> like i it seemed to um i don't know to like like a, a therapist who didn't quite get their degree Mm. Uh, modern wise was like ah yes this is how you solve mental illness and problems you know you you embrace it and it's like no Mm -hmm. (laughs) some people don't have that privilege they can't do that you know like sometimes mental stuff is more debilitating than that and it doesn't feel like they they really considered that at all so um that's why it's not my game of the year yeah especially because like you know, I think this is the kind of story that would have a lot of draw to people with mental illness, you know, like to uh, to for people with mental illness to kind of find a story that they can resonate with. And uh, yeah, it, it, it does kind of feel like they didn't really consider that audience when that feels like that could be the biggest audience for this game. It, it is it is weird. It is a weird disconnect. I think you're right about that. Yeah. So, um, like I said, I really enjoyed it. It is kind of on the shorter side of gameplay. Um, yeah. which is also why it's not my game of the year. Um, but otherwise, like, the experience I had while having it was a good one. You know, I I really fell in love with it. I loved um, every monster we encountered. Uh, there's, like, <laughs> yeah. a mini side thing where you collect um, bottled messages that kind of give you context as to what is happening. Mm-hmm. Um and then there's also another kind of collection thing where you have to find seagulls and shoo them away. <laughs> and, like, I don't quite understand why that's in the game. Um, but as somebody who likes being a completionist with stuff like that, 
it was uh, a little frustrating kind of takes away because I'm like, okay, let me explore. Oh, there's a seagull. I have to get the seagull now. <laughs> and then I sidetrack myself to get it. So, right. um, but overall, um, a lot of the mechanics are pretty simple, but there's cool ways that they implement things. Like if you get lost or you're not really sure which direction you need to head in, there's kind of like a flare mechanic where you fire a flare and it lands in the area you're supposed to be at. So as somebody who gets distracted easily and doesn't quite figure things out um, off the bat, it was nice to have that mechanic in the game so that I knew where I was going every time if I needed it. It's optional. Like, you don't have to. So right. that was nice. I mean, I, I do think you're selling yourself short in terms of how quick you can figure some shit out. Oh, like, yeah, some shit. But, like, yeah. there were some points in the game where I'm like, I don't know where I need to go. <laughs> and then, like... I would fire the flare, and sometimes the flare would be in the general direction, but then I wouldn't figure out how to get around something to get there, and that was frustrating. Right. So yeah, I mean, there was definitely room for improvement, but it had a really good story. Yeah. I'm glad you liked it that much. Yeah, I, me too. I um, did. And I think that it's really cool that, like, you picked this and I picked Death Stranding for our number two picks because I think that they're both games that like wanted to try something really new uh, and succeeded in some areas and didn't succeed as much in others. Um, <laughs> particularly, one thing that I really liked about watching you play Sea of Solitude is I found it really impressive how they were able to take kind of a simple kind of general gameplay and then apply it to a lot of different kind of gameplay styles. Like, there are some parts of Sea of Solitude where you're kind of, like, you know, struggling your way through waves of enemies. There are some parts of Sea of Solitude that are more platforming-based, where you're doing these really precarious jumps. There are parts of Sea of Solitude where you're solving puzzles. Uh, and There's parts of Sea of Solitude that are kind of like a stealth game, almost. Right, that's true, yeah. too. And, yeah. and for them to to be able to get all of that from essentially you being able to jump and fire a flare around uh, is really cool, you know? Like, I they, they really, they got, a, the, they got a lot of mileage out of uh, the kind of central and extremely basic mechanics of that game. And just from a game design perspective, I found that really impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think the production values of that game, like, Everything except the voice acting is really top notch. Yes. Like that game is really that game is really beautiful. Mm -hmm. I really love the character designs. Um, the the music is is just like soulful and sad enough. Mm -hmm. um, and like, and man, like I only saw bits and pieces of you playing that game, but there are parts where like I just sat in and it's like, oh, this is so sad. This is like heart. <laughs> this uh -huh. is heart wrenching. You know, like oh man, I'm. I'm bummed out now, like, <laughs> yeah. but, but in a, in a good way, I think, I think sometimes like it, it just, the, the mess, the messages it had just resonated, like just really, really painfully, but also just really well. Yeah. And, um, and when, when I watched you play for long enough, I could kind of like, 
I could kind of pretend the voice acting was better. <laughs> you know, like I, it's like okay, I'm used to the protagonist's voice now, and like it's it can be less jarring because I'm more used to it. Um, that didn't always work, but sometimes it did. Yeah, yeah, I remember that last monster really got to you. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yep, yeah. That I think that was my favorite monster, but yeah, really, yeah. really good. I really liked the the pair of monsters in the middle of the game. Yes. Uh, I thought that that was just a really w- interesting and well-executed part of the game. And I really kind of, I enjoyed, but also dreaded learning more about those characters as you progress through that chapter. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was, yeah. Some things hit a little too close to home and and <laughs> other things could hit a little too close to home for other people and yeah. their experiences so i think i think that was cool agreed yeah yeah very cool well sean it's really interesting that you said that like you know you uh that both your and amy lee's number twos are kind of artsy games that like try a lot of new things and succeed at some mm-hmm. and and don't succeed so much at others because my number two game is Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, <laughs> <laughs> which is is not fucking artsy at all. It's, it's Super Smash Bros. Uh, but, but hey, uh, I love it. Super Smash Bros. Ultimate is really fucking good. Mm-hmm. It's you know I think it's really a really excellent culmination of the franchise, and I think it's my favorite Smash Bros. You know, like. Like I know a lot of people love Melee, I know a lot of people love 4, I know a lot of people love Smash Bros. 64, and those are the Smash games that people love, uh, but, uh, I don't know, no one's gonna laugh at me low-key roasting Brawl, that's fine. Ha ha ha, tripping! <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, I, I just think Ultimate, like, kind of takes the best things about all those games and and just makes a really satisfying single player experience a really satisfying multiplayer experience um i think this is the best smash bros has ever been competitively in my personal opinion yeah and and just it's it's such a good video game it's got a fucking billion characters and they're all really fun to play uh most of them are really fun to play Mm -hmm. and uh and the dlc has been really great and i after waiting for over like a decade, I get to play as Ridley finally, mm-hmm. and and just it's it's just it's been so worth the wait. I think, and it's funny because we were talking a bit about like expectations, and right. I think it's so easy to have high expectations for a Smash Bros. game you know, because Sakurai is so good at what he does. And, like, I think there was a lot of possibility that we'd get Smash Bros. Ultimate and be like, this isn't cool, you know. Um, But, like, I got Smash Bros. Ultimate, and it's like, I played it as like, this is as good as I thought it'd be. <laughs> and I re- I feel like I really took that for granted, like, in the moment. You <laughs> sure. know, like, yeah, cool, Smash Bros. Ultimate is good. Yeah, good. And it's like, I, I thought so highly... I I anticipated this so much, and I wasn't disappointed by it. You know, like that's 
I think that by itself is incredibly impressive. That's really cool. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, like I've I've just you know I've really loved playing Smash Bros all year <laughs> because I've been playing it all year for the podcast and um I really enjoyed finally getting it and it's been a blast to talk about it so much and to just experience this incredibly well-made video game it's just super polished super good super fun um obviously like we can't get as analytical with smash bros as we could with some of these other games but (laughs) especially the last two games you two talked about but i i just think it's a it's it's a fucking home run you know it's a it's polished as fuck and it's real good yeah no i agree i i Here's a minor spoiler from me. Uh, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate is not my number one game. It's not in my top five. So, but, yeah. You know. <laughs> you're, you're the co-host of a Smash Bros. podcast, and it did not make your list at all. <laughs> but, you know, it would be in my hypothetical... <laughs> it would be in my hypothetical top ten, you know? Okay. Uh, like, absolutely. I think that it is far and away the best Smash Bros. game to ever have been released. I really love uh, what I've seen of the competitive meta. I think that the fact that it's chock full of content is wonderful. It is incredible to me how many characters there are in it. You know, I really can't say enough nice things about it. It's a it's a fantastic game and definitely deserves to be your number two. My girlfriend that is much less into fighting games than either of us <laughs> made Smash Bros. her number three right. and is not even on your list. <laughs> <laughs> Only because our list is five slots long. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, at least we can all agree that Smash Bros. Ultimate is, is good. It was a good thing that happened. Oh, for sure. In, in 2019, yeah. Um, well, I guess with, with that established, what is your number one, Sean? Uh, my number one, uh, which will probably come as a surprise, as no surprise to anyone who knows me, is the Resident Evil 2 remake which came yes. out in January of 2019. Uh, the only thing surprising about this is that it means that Mortal Kombat 11 didn't make ooh, your top yeah. five either. Yeah, nah, it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there are a lot of things that I like about Mortal Kombat 11, but there are also a lot of things about Mortal Kombat 11 that I find really frustrating. And yeah. <laughs> uh, there are just enough of those things that it's another game where it would it would be in my hypothetical top 10, but it's not in my top five. And in my hypothetical top 10, Smash Ultimate would score higher than it. Um, nice. Yeah. Cool. Do you think Smash Ultimate would be number six or do you? Yeah, like I could definitely see it being my number six. I'd, I'd obviously have to step back and think. You'd have. Right, that's fair. Yeah, but uh but 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 sorry, not to remove the spotlight from your number one. Go yes, on. Yes, and my yeah, my number one again is uh the Resident Evil two remake. I have been a Resident Evil fan for a very long time. Uh my my initial love for it was born out of just randomly renting the Resident Evil one remake for the GameCube at Blockbuster one day and discovering that it was uh, beautiful, well-made, and pants-shittingly terrifying uh, <laughs> the evening that I first played it. Uh, I've been hooked ever since, and Resident Evil is absolutely one of those franchises where, you know, kind of with every successive console generation, they take 
the lessons that they learned previously and they kind of apply them in new ways. It's a it is a series that is constantly iterating on itself and reinventing itself. And sometimes it's for the better. Sometimes it's for the worse. Like uh, the Resident Evil 1 remake was just this really great elevation of the original game to something new and special. Um, and then you had Resident Evil 4, which not only kind of reinvented Resident Evil for the next several games, but also just influenced action games, period, for the next two console generations. Like, almost all action shooter type games kind of owed some kind of debt to that game. And then you had Resident Evil 7, where it kind of brought back the horror and really did a lot to streamline the game and, and I think, you know, make it make the franchise a little bit more accessible. And yeah. I just feel like the Resident Evil 2 remake, it took the, the kind of beauty of the Resident Evil 1 remake, it took the gunplay of Resident Evil 4, and it took the atmosphere of Resident Evil 7, and it just combined them all together into the ultimate Resident Evil game. The game is scary, it's a joy to play, uh, the shooting feels really good, it's great to be able to revisit Resident Evil 2, which a lot of people consider to be like the best Resident Evil game in this new and just really jaw-droppingly gorgeous setting. Uh, I mean, oh, it's just, if you like horror <laughs> games, if you like action games, it's just a masterpiece of a game. It is so, so, so well made. And it is truly just kind of the ultimate smorgasbord of Resident Evil that we've wanted all this time and that we haven't truly been able to have until now. Uh, if you even have an inkling or a notion that you might be interested in the Resident Evil 2 remake, absolutely check it out. It is well worth the price of admission. That is my number one game of the year for 2019. Man, I'm I'm really I'm really forgetting to just like to recommend each game I play to the audience <laughs> at the end. That's all that I do. <laughs> Uh yeah, good, a, a solid pick. You know, um may, maybe maybe not quite unexpected. Sure. Uh, but yeah, like you know, I I think you picked a very good video game, and yeah, I think it's I think it's deserved in that spot. Even if obviously it it didn't make my my top five or even my top. It 10. didn't make your top um, ten. What the <laughs> fuck? I know. <laughs> well, you know, I didn't play it, <laughs> or or even even get to watch you play it. I guess um, that's fair. <laughs> but good number one, Amy Lee. Your number one, your best, your favorite. You, uh, in your opinion, the best game that came out in twenty nineteen. Uh, the best game that I played in twenty nineteen is Fire Emblem Three Houses. Nice. Yeah. Also not a surprise to me and Sean, but uh the you know, our our audience doesn't know you as well as we That's do. That's true. So. If they true. did, it would be weird. <laughs> a little bit. Um so my love for Fire Emblem actually started in a very funny and unusual place. Uh, because it is actually one of the most hated on Fire Emblem games. <laughs> but but uh, I really loved Fire Emblem Fates. Oh, I'm, yeah, me too, uh, actually. 
It's I'd I'd say divisive is a good word for fates. I I'm just gonna say it. I liked it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, I started with Birthright, which was kind of like the more anime y. Um yeah. and I got pretty close to finishing my conquest run. Um right. I fell in love with the characters and the character designs. Uh and that was like the first Fire Emblem game I actually played. Uh, I knew about Fire Emblem before that, uh, but never got into it, and uh, I, to this day, still haven't played Awakening. Like, I played about an hour. Fire Emblem Three Houses is so many of my buttons. You know, <laughs> like, they've they've got, like, a house system, um, you know, similar to, like, uh, other UK houses because like actual schools have houses like that obviously not in the in the mystical magical like Hogwarts way where you're divided based off of like personality or whatever but you know right like different UK schools do actually have houses that is a thing sure. um, right right so I think it's cool that they incorporated that into a Fire Emblem game um, the range in characters I really love and adore. Uh, I love their designs. I love that they have time skip designs. Um, <laughs> some of them are just so good. Mm -hmm. uh, I. Who is your favorite uh, character altogether, if you don't mind me asking, in Three Houses? Uh, it is a tie between Dorothea and Edelgard. That's fair. Good, yeah, that's that's what I thought. Cool. So yeah, Dor Dorothea and Edelgard um, are my two faves, but there are so many other really good characters that I absolutely adore. I think that being a teacher is also just a really cool thing that Fire Emblem does. Mm -hmm. um, fun fact, I don't remember if I've mentioned this before, uh, but my initial career choice was to become a music teacher. So, uh, being able to play a teacher was a lot of fun, um, and kind of choosing, uh, you know, my, my students' kind of, um, skill paths and, uh, what they would excel in and, and what, uh, class they would be was really fun and gave me a lot of, uh, control, which I really like because, uh, you know, in other Fire Emblem games, you don't really get to do that quite as much. So being able to be like, oh, well, if I train my student um, in acts, you know, like one or two times, they'll go up to like a B rank. So I'm going to do that because I want them to be this class or something. Right. Um, I, I really dig that. And like um, the story is a little weird, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I like Sothis a lot. Mm -hmm. um, she's just a sassy little girl and I love her um, and she doesn't feel gross or sexualized um, like they do with Naoi yeah oh yeah um, yeah oh god like I, I remember like how like <laughs> how worried we were like yeah. before before the game came out because it's like oh no she's She's obviously like some kind of eternal being 
she looks like a little girl and she's not wearing shoes <sighs> what it what is <laughs> <laughs> what is this story going to do to her uh yeah so i'm 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 kind of relieved to hear that from you actually because i haven't played enough of the game to be to to know that i i can breathe easy oh yeah because like you know the first like images we got of sothis was was her sitting in like her throne with like her legs pulled up uh in a kind of weird and potentially sensual position and like She's uh-huh. not wearing, you know, like she her. There's a lot of skin showing, and she's barefoot, so it's like Japan. <laughs> yeah. Like, what yep. are you doing? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I've uh, <laughs> I've played, I've played an entire Black Eagles run. I'm nearing the end of my Blue Lions run, uh, so I, yeah. I feel pretty qualified to speak on this game. Sure, um, I. S- I yeah. still need to do my golden deer run, but essentially, like, it's it's good that Sothis isn't treated in a weird, gross way uh, when she has the body of a child um, yeah. playing as a professor where you get um, control, <laughs> uh, you know, like what your students do. Um, the fact that you can recruit other students from other classes <laughs> is one of the coolest mechanics. And oh yeah, it's great. Uh, when I found yeah. out that you could do that, because I went, I went into the game pretty blind. So <laughs> finding out that I could recruit other students was amazing. Um, I think it's absolutely hilarious that uh, Sylvain, the redheaded boy in the Blue Lions group. Um, who's mm-hmm. kind of known as a womanizer. If you play female Byleth and you <laughs> play her in um, either Golden Deer or Black Eagles, you just get to freely recruit Sylvain <laughs> because you're female Byleth, I think is the funniest fucking thing. That is um, great. Oh my god. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's yeah, fantastic. and I think that's a very clever thing that it does because like, as male Byleth, you have to do the um, gift giving mechanic right. and you have to kind of um, get him to like you. Uh, but female Violet, you could just fucking do it. Um, and I thought that was really <laughs> funny. So like little things that it does with that uh, is really cool. And I think some of the supports uh, between characters um, provides really interesting dynamics and um, different facets to the characters that you wouldn't otherwise see. And while I think that sometimes making that kind of thing optional is uncool. Uh, doing this in Fire Emblem, where kind of doing supports is kind of necessary um, and inevitable, I think is really cool. So, like, you will see one character one way, and then you see them do a support with another character... And uh, you kind of get context as to why they are the way that they are, or that there's um, a different side to them and stuff like that. I think the antagonist, um, antagonists, should I say, (laughs) uh, depending on which route you're going, um, can either be really cool, uh, really out of character, uh, 
and poorly written. Um, it's, <laughs> it's very weird. Like I said, depending on which route you take, because it's going to be different each time. Um, because, for example, I played Black Eagles first, so that's going to be mm-hmm. a different antagonist than Blue Lions. Um, and you get like a different um, side of the story. So I think being able to play three different sides to a story, um, technically four, because there's two Black Eagle routes. Um, mm. So being able to see four different sides to kind of the same overarching story is really, really cool. And I love video games that do that. So um, being able to experience them through different houses is really cool. And then uh, being able to recruit students um, helps you in the long run. Um, And some of the choices you make during um, some final battles can influence uh, smaller details of the story. So it does feel like your choices matter a bit. Um, and I hmm. got to figure that out through talking to um, one of our mutual friends because uh, he had also played Black Eagles at some point and we were talking about one of the final battles and I did something differently than him and we had different outcomes because huh. of it and uh, he was like that's stupid <laughs> and i was like well i'm glad i did what i did because i like my outcome better than yours Um, (laughs) so like i didn't know that uh, as i was playing it but now that i've I've finished that playthrough and i've talked to him about it uh, i know what to do in the future that will optimize my gameplay um it was just really funny to find that out just through talking to a friend about it because otherwise i probably wouldn't have known unless i looked stuff up and I've, I've been yeah. trying to not do that. However, uh, there is a mechanic where you can have tea time uh, mm-hmm. with, with <laughs> a lot of the um, students and kind of side characters. So tea time consists of you having to uh, answer three correct dialogue responses in a row. Yeah. And then you'll get like a perfect tea time and then you can talk to them and interact with them and you'll get special uh, like unique one-liners and um, uh-huh. like animations and they blush and it's really cute. And like <laughs> it's it's just one of my favorite parts of the game because like uh, one of the most important things for a video game for me are the characters. So um, I think Three Houses is really rich in that. And being able to interact with them in a way that's like, you know, you get that unique dialogue, even if it's just a sentence or like, you know, it's just one thing that maybe doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. But learning stuff like that's really cool. Getting those unique um, reactions and stuff like that that add more to them as characters. uh, I really, really appreciate and dig. And, uh, you know, giving them gifts as a mechanic uh, will up their kind of affection for you and that can help get your support up. So I'm okay with that mechanic, but God, there's just part of the game where you can find lost items. Um, (laughs) yeah. Which Sean brought up. Yeah. yeah, Like in, in the map. So like you'll be exploring and then you'll, you'll find something and it'll give you a hint a very, very, very vague hint as to who very the item belongs to. So, like, this isn't a real item, but, like, if you were walking 
through like where the fishing area is and you found uh, a handkerchief it's like this person sneezes <laughs> and you're like <laughs> yeah well, and then you take it to Hanneman, and he's like, "No, that's not my handkerchief." Why is Hanneman so angry in your mind? <laughs> Get this I handkerchief mean, away from me! He's kind of angry. <laughs> your crest is stupid. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's. I could write a book about how stupid your crest is—a book that isn't mine. <laughs> but yeah, like some of it's very vague. Where it's like this person is musical and it's like yeah well we got a lot of those in this game you know Um, so i use a guide for that too because i just don't have the time to literally cycle through every item because you end up stacking up a lot oh Um, yeah yeah i actually like i stopped playing that game for like two weeks because i had all these items these lost items (laughs) and i had a feeling (laughs) that something was going to happen where i would you know i i needed to get that done and so right. rather than just like opening up a guide and spending like 45 minutes bringing all these lost items around, I just didn't play the game for a <laughs> fortnight. Uh, yeah, that the lost items thing was rough for me. Also, like tea time is great and a really cool idea, but also fuck tea time. Like <laughs> they you it's the mechanic for answering some questions like the character will just say like you know, I was just thinking, and then you'll get responses that are like boast, reproach, or uh, make a statement or something like just the vaguest shit that makes no sense. <laughs> and it's timed. So like you have like 15 seconds or something to answer the question. And so I like have a guide open. I'm, I've scrolled down to the character I'm having tea time with, and I'm just frantically scanning for like, oh shit, I've got 15 seconds. Which of these stupid answers that don't make sense is the thing that I'm supposed to say to get a perfect tea time? <laughs> Fuck! It was just like the most anxiety-inducing part of that game for me. Like far more than, you know, sending my kids into life and death situations where they might suffer PTSD or, or a fatal injury or lose their lives. No, the most stressful thing in that game was frantically searching for the right tea time answer to make sure that I wouldn't upset them by making a social faux pas. Fuck tea time. <laughs> it is cool. Though. Like, yeah, yeah. So sometimes the the answers are a bit too broad and a bit too vague. Like I, um, I I kind of pride myself on being able to like read characters. <laughs> Like, in video games pretty well, like, in, like, dating scenarios, like, some, there will be a lot of scenarios where, like, Amy and I are, like, playing through a game and, like, there there comes a point where we have to say the thing that the character will like the most, and Amy will just look at me and be like, what, which one of the <laughs> yeah. things? And, be like, Ooh. And, and I'll be like, ooh, yeah, say, uh, uh, say, I like being around you. And she's like, really? Okay. And she'll click it and they'll be like, I like being around you too. <laughs> and like, Amy looks at me and is like, how the fuck yeah, did you do that? It's stupid yeah. because like, I've been playing Odoo games for longer than he has. So you would think that I would have a better handle on what character's <laughs> like, but apparently fucking not. <laughs> so like, yeah, it's that, that can be frustrating. Um, to kind of wrap this up, I will say that 
uh, I had a lot of fun with the game, obviously, so much so that I am going to do each and every house, um, including the new one that's coming out in 2020. <laughs> Hashtag um, fourth yeah. house. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I do really enjoy it. I love the characters. I love how much more you learn each route you're doing, because it's not just the same boring old story each and every time. <laughs> Things you do are so incredibly different depending on which route you take. Um, I think the characters are really rich and full. Uh, I think some of the paralogues are some of the best ways to flesh out characters a bit more in their Mm -hmm. dynamic. Um, Mm. It's nice that we get more gay options. Um, Mm -hmm. As somebody who's in the LGBT uh, community, it's nice that, like, we get representation uh, at all because in you know in fates we had like one uh one yeah brush. one each and they sucked they <laughs> they were not good representation at all um is really disappointing and like i don't understand why that's just not a base mechanic anyways but um while i really love three houses as a whole there are some flaws like kind of the the vagueness and the broadness of some of like the dialogue options um some of the antagonists uh like one character in one route will be one way and it makes sense and then you play another route and it goes totally against their Hmm. character and you're like what because you just played that route (laughs) and that doesn't make any sense and i'm specifically speaking about one route in particular that makes me mad um but like it, it can be frustrating with how um, different it can be. Like, it doesn't have to be linear because you're playing through four different perspectives True. and four different routes. Right. But, like, sometimes it just doesn't make sense in the ropping. Uh, the ropping. The, the writing can be a little sloppy. Hmm. Um, but uh, it is a lot of fun to play. I like being able to decide character stuff. Um, I will say that it's bogus that there's only one romantic gay male option mm. uh, because the other two are platonic. Right. They're not romantic, right. yeah. they're platonic. Um, which I think is stupid because why would you give us like five lesbians <laughs> uh, and and one gay male? So... Uh, and of course, it's like the the kind of feminine looking male, which is also stupid. Um, so, yeah. like you know, it's 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 fine that like a feminine oh, yeah, male is the option, but the but the fact that he's the right. only one is pretty like, typical. Of course, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. You know, because I was excited to potentially play through uh, another playthrough of mine where I'm playing as male Byleth, and then I could romance uh, Aloui, who's one of the. Um, male romance options right so i was like oh yeah he's cool yeah i'll do that and then he mentions that he's married and you're like what (laughs) and then i found out that he's like it's platonic only and i'm like why would you even like why does this count um anyways (laughs) yeah uh before time skips really fun after time skip is really fun there's a lot of really cool um weapon choices and uh different story choices you can make that i think uh make it a lot of fun the music is just fucking amazing um oh it's there's an event that happens 
later in the game that I'm going to be very vague about for obvious reasons. Um, and there's a music uh, kind of change after that that I really just, it kind of sold Ooh. me on the game. Um, and then if you get paired endings with characters, so like certain characters have paired endings and some of them are just so good and some of them are so funny uh, that it really is just kind of, of worth pairing them along the way in these battles. So Three Houses is my game of the hmm. year. Byleth, we've had many precious moments together and I, I just want you to know that I've chosen you to eat this pot roast cooked by my wife. I'll always <laughs> value our friendship. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Daniel, you're real life, Aloise, so I don't want to hear it. He just makes terrible jokes all the time. <laughs> and I have a goofy mustache. <laughs> I I I don't right now. I, it's it's a, why it's would a you lie to beard. our listeners? I'm so apologize, sorry, everyone. <laughs> I'm sorry for implying that I had a goofy mustache. Straight up saying it, even I I just. I have a goofy mustache on the inside, and I feel like that's what. Counts. So, Daniel, <laughs> my number one game. <laughs> I'm actually super curious as to what this is. Yeah, me too. All right, I, I was wondering if it would get kind of obvious as we got as we got close to the number one slot, um, but I'm pleased to announce that uh, that my best game. Released in 2019 is Dragon Quest 11s Echoes of an Elusive Age Definitive Edition. Dang. Yeah, yeah, that that actually makes sense. I kind of yeah. forgot about that game because it's been a while since you last played it. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is both uh the game of dubious eligibility and the game where I did not beat it, although I definitely played enough to fig to get what its fucking deal is you know like i i have no regrets about putting it uh in my list let alone sure. at the top um dragon quest 11 did come out for the ps4 in 2018 um however uh echoes of an elusive age i think the switch version a does so much different that i think it's fair to not call it just a simple remaster or a mm -hmm. port you know if it like uh, it's obviously the same game, but it also feels very much like its own thing. And, like, B, I know that we have a lot of viewers that are exclusively Switch players. And on top of that, like, I did not play the PS4 version of Eleven because I was waiting for the Switch version right. to come out. You know, like, since... And since I withheld myself, uh, like, to play the specific version of the game because I knew the specific version of the game would be a different experience because they said that from day one... Um, I, I think it counts. I think it's worth counting. And it doesn't feel, you know, yeah. I, it, it doesn't feel like a broken rule. I think I'm, I think okay. I'm okay with it. Um, do, do, do you feel like it's unfair at all, other panelists? No, it's fine with me. Yeah. I'm chill about stuff like this. You are. Um, that, uh, that laundry cleared out. Uh, Dragon Quest XI S is just... It is a quintessential JRPG. It just, it, 
it's everything the genre is and it's just executed so well uh it doesn't it doesn't reinvent the wheel at all it just gives you like the best fucking looking regular wheel you've seen in your life <laughs> like you know like it's it's like it's turn-based combat with with uh with a skill tree and you fight monsters and you're in experience points and then you play through more of the story and you you get more characters with their own skill trees and you know it's 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 a game that if you really look if you really like take a few steps back it's it's a game that i've probably played like 30 times at this point just as different games you know but it really is just polished into a diamond of a game it it does everything it does with decades of experience behind it it they these guys know how to make a dragon quest game and they just made the fuck out of a dragon <laughs> quest game on top of that on top of it just being a very well made game mechanically and and it's a good looking game um uh dragon quest narratives are always very simple by design you know like it's it's kind of just a a hero and his friends defeat evil that's kind of that's kind of what you can boil it down to every game and this has a lot of the same vibes but uh the journey is is a really wonderful journey to take uh the characters are all great uh and man the localization of this game is incredible like the dialogue uh you really the personalities all these characters really shine through and uh, i know there will be a little contention on this but i love the english voice acting uh i think it's a little corny but in a very deliberate way right. and one that works and one that works perfectly for the setting um <laughs> uh the the characters are all very like the the main cast the cast of playable characters are all very charming they all have like really most of them have really neat arcs uh my girl jade gets done real dirty <sighs> in some parts of the game and like i I she deserves so much better uh because she's an amazing character. I love her motivations. I love like I I love the kind of character she is and and just some Japanese bullshit happens and of course it happens to her. But uh Veronica's hilarious. Uh Serena's kind of just there, but I she's still cool. I I like Serena. Um Silvando is my favorite. Sil- Silvando is is uh, um He's he's amazing. The he's <laughs> uh we we talked in our bonus content. Uh, we we've talked on other on other episodes. Of, we we've talked outside of this this specific thing that we did about how sometimes things in a Japanese piece of media can be either actually progressive or progressive for Japan. Uh, Silvando is a character that's progressive for Japan, yes. and sometimes not even that progressive for Japan. <laughs> uh, like, in in a lot of ways, I'm like, uh, like kind of surprised and impressed that a, 
that a character that's so like gay coded, I guess, mm-hmm. that's so like that's so uh queer coded also has all these really positive personality traits. Silvando is the bravest member of the party. Silvando is the most compassionate member of the party. He's the most empathetic mm-hmm. and he's he's kind of the heart of the crew. Uh but on the other uh, but on the other side of things, sometimes he's just kind of running around going woohoo and doing goofy dances, and that's uh, that they kind of lean on that part of his character a whole lot during different parts of the game. I think that probably um, the best way that I can put my appreciation for Zilvando is that he's a character with some high highs and some low lows, and the highs kind of I I, I appreciate the highs, you know, to a degree that the lows are definitely still there, but they don't detract enough from Silvando for him not to be a character that I like a lot. I I think I agree with that. He uh he's not perfectly executed, which is a shame in a game where I think a lot of things are executed perfectly. Yeah. But like the the amount of things I, I love about Silvando really do outnumber the things that are very embarrassing and disappointing about him as a character. Yeah. Uh yeah, this this game definitely has some rough spots, and those rough spots are generally in writing and characterization and character arcs. But some some of the character arcs, some of the some of the story beats are like so so good and so like nice and good and cozy to be in. Uh, you, Amy, you said something was a comfort food game for you at some point, right? Uh, during during these deliberations. What did you did you did you say that? Did you say that one of these games was like comfort food for you? Overwatch. I don't think so. Oh right. Overwatch. Oh yeah, Overwatch. Yeah, like Dra- Dragon Quest Eleven is like a comfort food RPG for me. Like it's just like it gives me everything I want out of an RPG, and I I've played between like eighty and ninety hours, and I have not beaten the game yet. Uh, I took a break from it to play Pokemon. Um. And now it feels like it's been a while since I've gone back to it. I hope I don't like, you know, a part of me is worried that I'll I'll go back in and like I'll be too disconnected now. Mm. Uh, but most of me is not worried about that at all. <laughs> I think, I think it'll be kind of like riding an RPG bicycle. You know, like it's it's just, yeah. I've enjoyed Dragon Quest games in the past. I really loved five. Nine was fun. Uh. Everyone loves eight, but I've never played it. Uh, but I don't think I've enjoyed a Dragon Quest game as much of as I've enjoyed eleven. All the vignettes that, like, um, it's such a long, overarching story, but it's really it feels like just a bunch of really nice and really enjoyable and really fun smaller stories, uh, just kind of all stitched together that you get to just experience one by one by one and uh yeah i think it's my favorite game of the year cool i yeah i'd, I'd say i have secured it on a list of my favorite games of the year <laughs> at the very top so uh so yeah yeah i you know um i can definitely see why this is your favorite game of the year i think that similar to my pick with resident evil 2 like, these may not be games that are reinventing the wheel, but they're just, like, working in their genre and doing a damn good job at it, you know? 
Like, uh, yeah, they're just both games that are really polished and really fantastic examples of the best of what their genre has to offer. And so yeah. I, I can definitely see why Dragon Quest Eleven is your, is your, you know, Dragon Quest Eleven S fucking blah, blah, whatever, the whole title. Uh, I can definitely <laughs> see Dragon why. Dragon Quest Eleven. Sorry? Yeah. Dragon Quest Eleven S Echoes of an Elusive Age Definitive Edition. Yes. Uh, I can absolutely see why that is your game of the year for 2019. Amy, any thoughts? Uh, Jade deserved better. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jade and Eric are the only ones I trust. Oh, er- er- Eric. Eric is such a great character. God, his his arc is actually one of the best ones in the yeah. game. Um, it's, it's very good. I was, um, I was around for a lot of Daniel playing this game. Uh, so I was kind of experiencing it with him too um and I, I would use uh i would use the video recording feature in 30 second like <laughs> clips to kind of to kind of if amy wasn't around and i knew that she'd enjoy a part of the game i just record that part of the game in 30 second chunks for her yeah so like sometimes i would come home and uh daniel would be like oh here's what you missed <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah. show me some some jade backstory and, and stuff like that uh and jade deserves better um eric's arc is really yeah. good and sad yeah. and good um yeah i think it fits his character really well uh mm-hmm. i hate the little the little boy the, the little, little boy boy Elijah? Go- <laughs> oh, Go- right. <laughs> yeah, Gulijah, I think is his yeah, name. yeah, whatever. He's he's a very small part of that I game. Know. I feel like I feel like people who have beaten Dragon Quest 11 have forgotten who Gulijah is and who you're well, talking about. Well, I will never forget. <laughs> um, I hate the design of the goo. I hate it. I hate it so much. It's 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 just a heel slime. It's a I don't of a like it. <laughs> it looks. I don't like it. I don't like it. But I like Jade. Um, she was done dirty, and I'm sad about it. Um, yeah. But I. Oh God, her. Oh God, her. Her, like an arc she has, like kind of mid late game, makes me so mad. I. I could do a whole podcast about how mad that arc makes me. But sorry, keep keep talking. Yeah, I was just gonna say that basically, um I totally get why it's your game of the year. You had a lot of fun playing it. There's a lot to play. There are a lot of charming aspects about the game. Uh it is a really good RPG. Uh this was like my first Dragon Quest experience. Um oh. and it wasn't a bad one. Oh, well, nice. I'm I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, I'm. There's, there's so much from 2019 I still need to finish, so like getting back to Dragon Quest Eleven is a little intimidating for that reason. But, uh, I'm still I'm still excited to go back because I know it'll feel, it'll feel like home in some ways. <laughs> Aww. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So that's I think that's that's our game so so now that we each have our top five it's pretty easy to tally together who the winners are yeah (laughs) yeah so uh in 
in third place with five points is Resident Evil 2. Woo! In second place with seven points is Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Woo! And in first place with eight points is Fire Emblem Three Houses. Yeah! Wahoo! (laughs) The uh, Smashing Theory Game of the Year, the Smash Bros. Podcast 2019 winner is Fire Emblem Three Houses. (laughs) Yeah! Yeah. With the Smash Bros. game in second place, because one of the co-hosts didn't even include it on his list. Ha ha! <laughs> 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 uh, that, even that said, though, I think this is—I think that's a pretty cool list. I think that uh, I—I I think that's well earned for for all the winners. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. Oh, also, sorry, third place is a tie between Resident Evil 2 and Dragon Quest XI S. Ah, yeah, that's true. With five points apiece. Right. That's, I like that list. That that list feels better to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it feels you know, slightly each... worse to me. <laughs> Not really. Each of, each of our favorite games of 2019 is in the top three in the end, so that's nice. Yeah. Yeah, um, Cool. Uh, thanks for listening to this, everyone that's still here, and and thanks for for doing this with me, my my fellow panelists, Sean and Amy. Thanks for thanks for Game of the Yearing with me. I love Game of the Yearing, and <laughs> I'm I'm sad that like we didn't do it for 2018. So. So this was nice. This, yeah, this is always this is always a very time consuming project, but it's one I always love doing. It's and definitely time consuming, <laughs> but I still love doing it with you both. So thank you both. You are very welcome. Thank you for having us along. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. I'm glad. Yeah. So as we said before, uh, we also uh, will in the near future have a bonus content up on our Patreon, patreon.com slash group, where we discuss our favorite movie, our favorite TV series, both, like, our Western TV series and our favorite Eastern TV series, our favorite manga, our favorite meme, and our favorite YouTuber slash YouTube show of 2019. If you're curious about our picks for any of those things, uh, if, you, if you're subscribed to us this month for $5 or more, uh, you'll get to hear our takes on all that stuff in February. I want to say you'll hear it in February. Uh, I have a day job now, so it's harder to say exactly when things will be up. But, um, but yeah, th- thank you so much for listening. And, uh, and yeah, this was nice. Yeah. 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 Uh, so... Um, we'll see you in a couple weeks with, uh, with a more regular Smashing Theory episode. Uh, this remains at the whims of what Nintendo does <laughs> in the future. Um, if like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of feeling that by the time we do a new episode, uh, we will get our direct. I'm kind of feeling that. Okay. Uh, we're you know this this wasn't a prediction episode, but there's a prediction for you. Yeah. I think I think we'll be getting a direct in the next couple weeks. Um, if we don't, 
Uh, maybe Sean and I will just talk about the Byleth update because we'll we'll have gotten to play it by then. Yeah. Sean's already played a bit of it. Uh, in in a in a wacky twist, I haven't played it yet. Oh, uh, who's yeah. not a Smash Ultimate fan now, Daniel? <laughs> Still you. Uh, <laughs> um, nah, nah, you're a fan. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, you're a fan. I'm a big fan. Who's who's a Smash Bros fan? I'm a fan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, thanks for listening to this for four hours uh, yeah. or however long this ends up being in the final cut. Uh, yeah. Uh, Amy, thanks for being here. Yes, thank you. Yeah, good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. You have a good time? Yes. Good. Uh yeah, love love having Amy aboard. Is this actually your first appearance on a Smashing Theory instead of like play this or other stuff? I think it is. Like Day of the Devs was a play this project. Yeah. Yeah. So welcome, welcome to Smashing Theory. Yeah. A a good debut. Thank you, uh, fans. If. I've been on here before. Let me know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, yeah, I, I'm out of things to say. I've been thinking about video games for a long time. Me too. Most of my life, but also a long amount of time consecutively uh, today. So uh, we will see you. In uh, two or three weeks, I might need a break after editing this all together, but we'll we'll see you soon. Yes, and in the meantime, I hope you had a smashing 2019, and you have a smashing time in 2020. Uh, how do you like that voice, Amy? Uh, I would like to die. Oh, you <laughs> wound me, madam. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Special thanks! Special thanks! Special thanks to Lonel! Lonel, thanks! <laughs> it's an avocado! Lonald, <laughs> hey. uh, I'm glad you got a Switch yeah. this year because you'll have gotten to play several of the games on this list. <laughs> yeah. Um, or, you know, you'll, you'll at least have had an opportunity to. Uh, I know you play Smash and I know you play. There's two games for you. Yeah. Special happy. Thank you, Lonald. <laughs> Did you almost say happy birthday? <laughs> Thank you, Lonald. <laughs> happy birthday. <laughs> Special thanks to Nim and or Dick Butt. No. Oh, thank you, Dick Butt. I hate and, this. Uh, this is, this is the first episode of A Smashing Theory where I explain that anytime Amy is on an episode of our podcast, uh, we have to thank Dickbutt instead of Nymph, because that is Nymph's special request. I mean Dickbutt's special request. <laughs> Thanks, Dickbutt, for all <laughs> Thanks. you do. Thank Thanks, Dickbutt. Special thanks to my girlfriend, Amy Lee. Whoa, look at this. 
Whoa. 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 I gotta I fight her. <laughs> no, don't. Don't fight. I'm fighting her. I'm, I'm especially thankful that you that you sat through this whole thing with us and, and gave us some really cool Game of the Year nominees. Yeah. Um, yeah, your list was awesome. Yes. Thank you for sharing it with us. Aw, I like doing this. Good. Yeah. Good. Good. Um, special thanks to Mr. Cool Red Luigi. Wahoo! <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> thanks for being cool all the time, unlike Sean. Thanks for being <laughs> Luigi all the time. <sighs> thanks for being red. <laughs> Ah, yes, uh, Mr. Cool Luigi Red. Thank you, Royce. <laughs> thanks. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and special thanks to Mr. Goobermania. Wow, Goober! We, we've already special thanked you in the bonus content we made, but chronologically, this will probably be the first time you or anyone has heard a special thanks to Mr. Goobermania because he just... Uh, pledged. He just raised his his uh his Patreon tier to the special thanks tier. Thank you so much for doing that, Goo. Yeah, congratulations yeah. for the, being here in this place. You get this now. Now this is happening. Yep. Thank you. Never for, stops. For being Gooby. That's the best way to be. <laughs> oh no. Please no. Oh God! <laughs> did did that sound like I said Gooby please at all? No. <laughs> it just sounded like you said gibberish in Donald Duck's voice. <laughs> Holy shit! God! <laughs> did, did that sound like <laughs> I said? Sound like you were dying. <laughs> please stop trying. <laughs> Drowning. <laughs> thanks, Mr. Cooper. Me. Yeah. Special thanks to all of our special thanks patrons. If you'd like to get a special thanks from us, uh, you can go to Patreon.com/slash/BeefBoopGroup. Give us twenty dollars, and we'll give you a big special thank you every time we live our lives. <laughs> <laughs> I wake up in the morning and I say thanks to all our patrons. I go to bed at night and I say thanks to all our patrons. It never stops and I am going to die because my mouth will fall off. Are you okay? I, no, no, I'm not. <laughs> We've been recording for a long time. Well, special thanks to all of our patrons. You know, I haven't recorded this long since, like, play this. It's a bit, Because yeah. those went... Those went on forever, but like, uh, it's it. <laughs> I don't miss it, but this was nice. I feel that. Yeah. On that note, thanks. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Goodbye. <Good night. laughs>